Hello, and welcome to Game Brain, a podcast about board games and about our gaming group. I am Trey Alsop, your host. Welcome to Game Brain Podcast. This is round 11, turn two, and we are going to talk about the 2021 release Praga Caput Regni by Vladimir Suchi. And we're going to be talking also about getting into your feelings when you're gaming. And today I am joined by Crap, crap, crap. The discriminating gamer, Ben Mandelker, host of the Watch What Crappens podcast. Hey, Ben. What's up? How's it going? Good to see you, Trey. That song has been stuck in my head all week. The the theme song of your podcast, it just, it's It's a worm. worm. it, it, It is. It's very catchy. Yeah, well, you know what? It was. It's kind of funny because it was. Uh, it's. It, it was a temp track. Basically, uh, about eight years ago, I just threw together some loops on GarageBand and was just, you know, I was like, I, I don't know. So I just started singing this this silly song that was basically dictated by the loops. And then my co-host on that show, Ronnie, was supposed to also chime in and sing some parts of it as well, but he never did. So it's just this kind of very low rent song. Um, but it does get into your head. Like it's kind of crazy. I mean, I'm knows? all about the the low rent song. I, yeah. I think as as we know from experience on on this podcast, I, I like I like it raw. You excel at it. You really excel at a low rent song, Trey. So big news uh, this week, uh, you were on uh, the Watch What Happens show. I got to watch yeah. you on that. Yeah, that was super fun. I was on Watch What Happens Live on Bravo. I guess, you know, just like a, like for people who may not t- fully know, because I don't know the last time I really self-promoted myself, which is hilarious because <laughs> I do it like literally every 10 minutes. But uh, my other podcast, Watch What Crappens, is a podcast that's all about Bravo. Like, And it's a daily podcast. I spend really all week long talking about Bravo TV. The intersection between Bravo TV and board gaming is... I would not say that Venn diagram is like a real... <laughs> It's not like a MasterCard logo. Um, it's just like, uh, there are not a lot of us that, that are in both worlds, but there are some. There are, there are some, some for sure. But um, yeah, so we talk about Bravo all the time, and um, it was really cool. Uh, my co-host, Ronnie Karam, and I were invited on to watch What Happens Live, which is the uh, very bonkers late night show that Andy Cohen hosts on Bravo. So that was the, uh, that was the big excitement. It was really cool. I think that, you know, like that circle of like people that watch Bravo, though, is pretty big. Like, it's surprising how big because for a while, like Bravo shows were the shows in addition to cooking shows that I could watch with my girlfriend, Jenny. And of course, some Mm -hmm. of those are cooking shows, too. But, um, you know, like I was there the beginning for the first Housewives. I, you know, I I got a couple of seasons of Vanderpump Rules. Like, I mean, that's impressive. That's really impressive, Trey. I mean, it's, so it? it's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think so. Does I mean, so well, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of people are closet Bravo watchers. That's what I've found because people will be like, oh, I don't watch that. I don't watch that. Although I do watch that one with the boat. I'm like below deck. They're like, oh yeah, I love Hannah. She's so hilarious. And I'm like, you watch it all the time. Don't act like it's like, oh, that one about the boat that you <laughs> right. don't remember the name of. It's like, you know, sure. exactly the name and every cast member. You watch every yourself. single season. But uh, I think it's, I think it's great. I mean, uh. I think it's great that you've seen a few seasons of Vanderpump Rules. You know, uh, there's also this idea that straight men don't really watch Bravo, but that's also a lie because, like you said, a lot of them watch with their girlfriends. A lot just watch on their own. I actually do believe that. And and Below Deck and Top Chef are definitely like the we found to be the gateway uh, Bravo shows for straight men. So if, <laughs> if yeah, there happens to be any I, straight like, men I listening, watched, <laughs> I have watched Below Deck too. 
That's great. Like, it's one of those ones where you start watching it and you just keep watching it. Like it's almost like it's a companion piece to um uh what's the one about the crabs? Uh oh deadly crab fishermen. Yeah, dangerous catch. catch. Like it's a nice companion piece to dangerous catch of like life on the boat. Yeah. But it has other characters. Well, I think Below Deck really resonates with a lot of people because at the end of the day, it is actually a workplace drama, not drama, but workplace reality show. And so very often the cliffhanger for the week, for the week, you have to wait seven days for this, is something like oh no, did she not put the forks on the table? And then you're like waiting a week to be like, what happened to the forks on the table? Did she set the table for the guests? And and like, but it's somehow very relatable because we've all been in workplaces where there's been someone who's not been pulling their weight or there's someone who hasn't put the metaphorical forks on the table for the big meeting, you know? So, um, so you know, I, I think it's great. And, you know, uh, but pre-pandemic, Ronnie and I were actually doing a lot of touring with our podcast. We we're going all around the country. And um, we did get a lot of boyfriends who were like, I watch Below Deck or I'll watch Vanderpump Rules. Um, but what, would, what was also fun, the flip side, is that um, a lot of times I'd have people come up to me and say, hey, by the way, I love gaming. Um, I love that you're like a board gamer. Have you played this game? Have you played that game? And um, it's really cool when, when I do find the gamers in the audience, you know, or they come up to me. I remember one girl in, uh, in Boston was like, have you ever played Scythe? And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I've only played it once, but like the fact that you are like speaking Scythe to me right. is like, you're not just doing like apples to apples, which is totally fine too. Like, it's totally fine if someone's like, have you heard of code names? That's great. But when someone's like, have you played Scythe? I'm like, oh, you're playing like games. Like you're, you're in the hobby. So it's really fun to find that crossover for me personally. Yeah. I mean, we, we still are like, we still are like ambassadors like part of this community, if you're part of the game brain podcast community, like we're still ambassadors to people that have not discovered this whole new generation of board games. Like I encountered this just yesterday talking to uh, a professor at a college saying, you know, who's like still suspicious of playing games. Like she was like, well, I'll play Scrabble. I was like, well, there are other games. And like, I don't know, like there's still people feel like there's something unserious. So I'm, I'm glad that we can kind of like give people permission to yeah come play some games with us and you you can still be yeah you're okay please yeah well there's there's also something very self-serving about it which is that most of these games play best with other people and so um you kind of have to recruit people into the fold to in order mm-hmm. to actually be able to play the games themselves because if like the normal four or five people I want to go to for games are not available. I need to have like, I need to have like a, a bench, you know? Right. <laughs> so uh, there's that too. But I also think it's just like super fun. And, you know, I think I talked about this on that uh, Dimitri episode about evangelizing. I think I was on that episode or I was listening and I was pretending like I was on it, which I do all the time with this podcast. <laughs> I just sit there and talk back to it. But um, uh, like, <laughs> Especially I just, Dimitri. I <laughs> no, but I just like I I, I don't know. I, I do want to. Sp- I do like spreading the word about board gaming because I think it is just so deeply fun. And it's like it. I think you just have it's such a great thing to do that you. It's a great activity where you can you you can get to know people. It's social. It's in, it's interactive, and um and at the same time you have a very fun thing that you that you get to do while you're being with your friends. I so I'm always just trying to preach the word. I know I'm preaching to the converted. Well, like, okay, so speaking of like expanding the circle, like we were talking a little bit this week about Clubhouse 
Yes. And like, can we expand the circle of board gamers using Clubhouse? I think like we're still figuring out like how to do that. Yeah. Right. So for those who don't know, Clubhouse is a new social media platform. I don't know if it's open to Android users yet. There was some talk that it's only iOS. I'm sure Android will be coming soon. It's a weird, it's a really weird uh, platform. Whenever people ask me to describe it, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's like talking, talking. So basically imagine, imagine you've walked into a building and there's all these rooms and every room that you walk into, like a little TED talk is happening, right? More or less. And you can walk into this one and listen to a TED talk. And you can walk into that one, but you can also like raise your hand and and talk to whoever's speaking. It's almost like a panel, like a like panels are happening, right? And that's what Clubhouse is. It's a virtual version of that. You go and there are all these rooms and people are talking about stuff. They'll talk about you, and you don't. It's 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 a really weird thing. I, I when I first went on, I wound up in a room with um uh. A guy who was in Mean Girls and also the lead singer of Papa Roach. <laughs> I was like, this is so bizarre. <laughs> and we were talking about mold people in New York City. But um, uh, but to get to what you're saying, I, I do think that there's like a sp- uh, like a real good opportunity to to talk board games on there, and there is a growing board game community. And I think especially like we have getting to what actually I was just saying and how I talk back. Like last week uh, when Matt and Tom were talking about like. Uh, top five uh, fictional board games, right? And I'm sitting in my car, I'm thinking, what about Jumanji? Jumanji not even uttered. Jumanji is one of the most famous, like what about, and I'm talking about the Chris yeah. Van Allsburg version, not the, <laughs> not the cinema <laughs> version. The, the, I'm talking about the original OG Jumanji. The OG Jumanji, um, wow. So like Clubhouse <laughs> could be a great opportunity to for people to kind of like now chime in on some of these topics that we talk about, you know? Yeah, like I think we need to figure out how to do this with like with game brainers. Like, but this would be a great way to get our community. Like, we're still figuring this out. If if you have some ideas about um, like how we should do this, let's hear about it on our Facebook group because we do have the you know Game Brain Podcast Facebook group. And we often have like good discussions there. But like Clubhouse would be a chance to have actual discussions mm-hmm. where we can expand this out. And I love that like you're talking back to the to the podcast all the time, but that's maybe something we could do uh with Clubhouse. I'd love to explore that. Yeah, I'm I'm on there and I, I'm always lingering around. I think my username is I think it's Ben Mandelker. I'm not sure, but you know, if people can look me up and add me and you know, I've got uh, alerts when you go on and you're doing something like I'll get alert on my phone. And like, I jumped in the other day and you were doing like, what are we making for dinner tonight? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So this, in this case, I I was like, it was, it was great. Well, basically I was like, I'm going to start a community. And I decided I created something called cookbook club on clubhouse because I also love cooking and you love cooking and I love cookbooks. And I was like, here is going to be the inaugural cookbook club clubhouse session. And of course, I scheduled it with about 30 minutes notice. for So it, I turned it on and it was my friend Diana. And then you popped in. And it was the three of us. And we were just talking about food and restaurants for what, 20 minutes or so. And then one of the Real Housewives of New Jersey joined in. Right. <laughs> and then pretty- we had someone from the Rachel Ray show. So it was like, it just went in a whole oh, that's right. Direction. It was like a producer from the Rachel Ray show, but it was also like, it was like us and like three people listening in. And then yeah. the Real Housewife. And I didn't know who that was, but I kind of started to figure out because like 30 other people dropped into the room <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. And- it was Margaret Josephs for anyone who's, who, do they call her Marge? Is that? Yeah, they, she calls herself the Marge. She's like, I'm the Marge. And her whole thing is that she's been making a lot of iced coffee on the show this season. So <laughs> I was asking her about her iced coffee method. Yeah. It was 
And then it wound up being a very intense discussion about air fryers. So I think that would be fun if we could have that kind of vibe, um, but about board games. I, re- I dropped out, I think, before we got to the air fryers, which is a shame oh, because, uh, again, my girlfriend, Jenny, like we, if we're flipping and we hit the air fryer um, infomercial that's running, like we have to stop. Yeah, and watch that. It's I don't know. We're we're fans. Am, we're fans of the infomercials. It's weird. <laughs> I am so on the cusp. I'm like, do I want to dedicate counter space to this? Because it's a counter space. But the producer from the Rachel Ray show was making a very very adamant argument argument for it, and then other people started chiming in, and it was kind of like an air fryer army. So um, it was really it was actually it was really fun. Somehow I've made it this far without buying a slap chop. But I don't even know what that is. It sounds. <laughs> Oh, an order a regular fryer, or an I, air fryer. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm afraid of getting a. You don't a know fryer. what a slap chop is. I have no. It sounds very dirty. <laughs> well, maybe I'm saying it wrong, but yeah, it was a whole infomercial thing, and then they uh, did multiple musical versions of it. I'm probably I'm probably getting the name wrong now because the way the way my brain works. Let's get to this week's game night and talk about board games. Yes. Ooh. Ben, tell me about your board gaming in recent history. My ga- my board gaming game night. Um, so I have been playing just so much 18xx, which is what I'm saying now every episode. I think <laughs> I like I think every time I've, I think on the Carnegie uh, Carnegie episode and also on the Hansa Teutonica, all I'm talking about is, is 18xx. But that's what I'm continuing to play. Because 18xx.games makes it very easy to play those games. I think it, and it takes out a lot of the accounting, which probably bogs down new players, etc. So I've got two friends, uh, Matt and Judy, who I've been playing usually at night with. And we've just been like going nuts. And it's been so, so fun. And um, so this uh, is I your mean, bench. This is your bench for 18xx is. is- Matt and Judy, is that what you said? Or Matt and Judy is my bench. It's like it's become. See, our thing. I am but not I, on I your eighteen XX bench. Yeah, and you play well, with Jennifer. You said now. You said you bounced off of eighteen XX. Did I hear you say that recently? Or no? Am yes. I imagining that? I and did. you bounced off because it was. I don't harsh. know. I mean, I think um, one is like. Uh, I think Tom taught me the game and it, I just felt like oh, him yeah. punching me in the face repeatedly. And it was also, it was one of those things where like your first time playing it and you're trying to make very difficult decisions about like, what, what is it? The private corporations that you're supposed to be choosing yeah. and bidding on right off the bat. And it's one of those, Hey, bid on this thing. And like, I don't know what a, a reasonable bid. I don't know what's good. I don't know what, sh-. like, I'm just deep levels mm. of discomfort for that, like opening round of yeah. the game that just left a, a, a bad mark. And I think the second thing is also is I probably have some really unjustified biases because of going to Strategicon and like there is a core group of 18xx players who are at Strategicon and they are not friendly people. Right. And, That's what I've been hearing. And I'm like, and I did not want to like 
I did not want to be one of those grognards. And I know I'm in, I'm in danger of becoming one of those people anyway. So I'm trying to avoid becoming the crusty <laughs> old X, 18X expert. Okay, we're podcasting about board games. We're already three quarters of the way there. But yeah. that being said, I mean, I'm hoping to be the friendly face of 18XX. That's what I would like to be because um, I had heard about that reputation. But, you know, I just played with friends. I do think that you have to... Um, you just have to dive in and be just okay with kind of messing up that first game. And I think that, and, and if I think if you allow yourself that, it's actually going to be quite liberating because you actually, it's really important to pull those levers and everything. Um, you will mess up and the mess ups will, you know, lead to, you know, bad things happening. But I think if you're playing with friends, your friends will sort of give you helpful tips along the way. Like, hey, just so you know, this may happen. Or, or when you do mess up that you say, Hey, so now what happened was this, and now in the future, you know, like be on the, excuse me, be on the lookout for something like that. Because um, I've had honestly not a lot of trouble recruiting people into the fold. A lot of my friends, um, and uh, it's been it's been super fun. And I have to say, also, I, I said Matt and Judy, but I did. I also have been playing with Jennifer too. Jennifer is right. the one who actually brought me into eighteen XX, so I I don't want to leave her out. Well, maybe this. this folds into what's going to be our you know member segment later on about like the getting into your feelings while you're gaming because like I think I've had some like bad emotional experiences trying to get into eighteen XX where I've like I've felt dumb. And like, mm. that's, that's not a happy place maybe for me. Like that's not something no. I, I, I do like a certain feelings of control. And maybe I like, sometimes I have to go away and study the rules and get a certain level of comfort, especially because like 18 XX games, if I understand them correctly, like they can be quite brutal. Like the, some of the stock manipulation be. is like, and like, just like you're saying, like you can be friendly you can be guiding people and explain like Trey. Okay. Now you've made this mistake and now I have to wreck you and destroy your stock position <laughs> and take away yeah, all but, your toys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There is that. I, but I will say, um, I think that if the vibe at the table is right, when those mistakes happen, they should be accompanied by laughter. And if they're not accompanied by laughter, then I, you may not be playing with the right people for you. For me, I should say that's my that's my taste for it. I mean, I think it should be there should be like sympathetic there should be like sympathetic groans like oh, and then followed by like the chuckles <laughs> right. of like isn't this hilarious? Like we'll always remember this. Um, but my friend Daria, who uh, we also brought into the fold, we played um, a version of. So there's 18 Chesapeake, and there's now a new expansion called 18, 18 Chesapeake Off the Rails, which hilariously used to be called 18 Chesapeake After Dark, which I don't know why they <laughs> called it that for, for a little bit, but it was like, yeah, it's it's like 18 problem. Chesapeake After Dark. It's like the sexy trains. So um, it's like a little, it's a little more raucous. And um, uh, she got a company dumped on her. And the hilarious, so in the game, in 18xx games, you know, it's stock market games. And if you decide you don't want to be part of a company anymore, you can sell your stocks. And then whoever else, whoever is the next largest shareholder becomes the new president. And people normally do that if the company is going bankrupt and you don't want to be on the line for it. So you cash out your position and then the next person is stuck with it. So that's normally like where it gets really brutal. But I actually dumped her with like a lovely company that had a beautiful train because I was like, she she was saying she wanted another company. So I was like, Here, I'll give her this company. And she was so mad because she's like, I didn't ask for that company. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I gave you a great company. I gave you a beautiful company with a permanent train and a nice route. And she's like, I didn't want it. I, did I ask for it? <laughs> and so then she was like, she swore off 18XX after that. But then... 
because she sort of had a feeling like you did, which was it was like a brutal moment. But um, uh, but then we brought her back into the fold because we introduced her to 1846, which was a little kinder and gentler. And um, uh, the point is, there are different 18xx games I've discovered that have different emotional experiences. Yeah, I, I want to be that player that kind of laughs off my misfortune with friends. And I think like about half the time I pull that off. And then the other half of the time I'm a pouty diaper baby who's like ready to flip the table. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm hoping to be more of the former and less of the latter. But, you know, uh, pouty diaper baby is still there uh, at times. So no, listen, that's that's okay. Well, we'll talk about that. And, but in the meantime, for those who are wondering what H and XX games I was playing this the, over the past week or two, um, I just played 1882 Asinaboya, which takes place in Canada. Which really enjoyed that one a lot. It's kind of bonkers. A lot of crazy stuff with tiles. Um, played eight, playing 1846 to bring my my to win my friend back into the fold, which right. succeeded. Because um, 46 played, is kind of one of the starter games, right? Like that's kind of like yeah. one of the ones you learn at first. I actually think it's like a, has a, it is like in terms of rules, it's actually a little bit more involved than 18. I think 18 Chesapeake should always be everyone's okay. intro. But Chesapeake's that's still relatively new. It's a new 18 it is. on the scene. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like very straightforward. Um, it's really, really fun. And then 1846. Um, 1846 has a few more rules, but it, it's definitely it's definitely not as vicious. Um, it's pleasant. It's I actually really enjoy it. And then there's a game called 18 Los Angeles, which we played, which takes the rules of 1846 and puts that in Los Angeles and adds some wrinkles. And that was super fun. I actually really loved that a lot. And uh, 1849, I played with Jennifer and her friend Bill, and that was also great fun. So, is are you finding the like? Now that you kind of like you you get the whole 18xx thing, is it real easy to pick up the new versions and just be yeah. like, okay, here's what's different about this one, and it's generally like this one thing, you know, one yeah. or two little things that are going to make this one different, and then like, and then the the fun is like how this one, how this flavor is different this time for these games. And That's exactly people have right. their favorites, and this is good for three, and this is a little heavier, and that kind of some thing. some are more. Some some change it up a lot. Like 1817 uh, adds in mergers and acquisitions and short selling and all sorts of crazy stuff. So that one required a little bit more grokking. Mm -hmm. But then once you get it, it's actually my favorite one so far. Um, I haven't played some. I haven't played 1822, which is which is Jennifer's favorite, and I haven't played 1862, which I know Tom was really high on. Um, but yeah, you you can pretty much adapt really easily. And what's really fun is they do feel like unique different games it doesn't feel mm -hmm. like expansions it feels like different games but what's really fun is the um the onboarding is really easy you just be like okay and this one tracks cost twenty dollars and you can do this or that and it's fun to dive in and um i i actually am like i'm i'm such a convert to this genre of games and they are actually so fun and 18xx.games makes it so easy that i i struggle to even understand why these games have such a imposing reputation because they're to me they actually feel very accessible now they are i now, don't know maybe, now i mean i've bounced off of, but then like i bounced off of on mars and i you know i should love that game and i just haven't recircled so some of that's we all bounce off stuff we don't know why we're bouncing off of yeah like we play a lot of age of steam in uh 
in our group. And so like when you play different maps of Age of Steam, it tends to be like, okay, it's both a different map and there's going to be one rule different. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like 18xx is kind of taking that to the next level where it's not as simple yeah. as just a new map in one rule, but it's still like you've got the core 18xx thing and now you can enjoy this whole like wealth of different games that you can pick up and play relatively yeah. easily like that's a, I, I would like to be in that place but i don't know like well, but there is a hump to get let's, over let's re let's retrain you because you know i talked to paul and paul also has a different sort of thing but he also has like a little bit of a barrier and um how about like we um how about we fix that because it really i mean i just i'm just thinking now about how jennifer was talking to me about 18 uh cz and I read the rules for that, and that is like three different size companies and three different types of trains. And so when you talk about how these games have like it's more than just like one a little bit of a rule change and a map change, there are fundamental things that that change. And then as you get to know the system, you you think to yourself, oh, I can only imagine what sort of you know pandemonium that will create. And you get excited and like I can't wait for the season. <laughs> like that's a good thing. That's not yeah, an intimidating thing. That's like a, this great opportunity to explore. It's really, really fun. Like, imagine if every Vital Lacerda game was the, the way to learn it was like, oh, it's like Lisboa, but like um, we're in a different city. And uh, this action, when you do this action, you now get to do this as well. And these only cost that much. And then there's like, there's like a few tweaks, and you're like, great, I'm ready to go, as opposed to a one hour download of rules every single time. Yep. So you you've been Mr. 18xx for the, your game night. I on the other hand have been playing Dwellings of Eldervale. Oh, I want to hear about that. I've been, I play, I've got two games of that in and there was some discussion on our, the uh on the Facebook group about like why I shouldn't like that because it has uh dice. Mm-hmm. So I feel like my brand is in is in question here because I've I've actually had a very good time playing dwellings of elder vale which i think i think we'll probably have a review coming up probably from matt i Mm. would i would guess um but like the worst thing about this game is just the title like yeah dwellings of elder vale just immediately says like cones of dunshire and not in a good way i would love to play that i i at the end of the year it got it wound up on a lot of um uh top 10 lists like the dice tower everyone over there really loved it a lot um and i hadn't even heard of it uh, maybe it's maybe it's because I've just been reading about 18xx games and not uh, games right. called Dwellings of Elderdale. 18xx hole. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would think love that's to play Luke that. Laurie, uh, and I've liked his other games. And I think I had some ideas because it's it does feel like, oh, it's a dudes on the map. It's a fantasy setting. So Tom's going to hate it. There's going to be hmm. combats in which you roll dice. Like this does not sound like my kind of game uh, at all. But then in actually playing it, like it was fast. It was easy to understand. The combats mm-hmm. were, you know, yes, there's dice, but there's things you can do to mitigate it. And like, in a sense, it's it's going back to our like discussion about competition or being competitiveness. Like, I'm not sure Dwellings of Eldervale is the most competitive game. Like, I'm not sure this is a game that should be at the board game championships, but for a foot. And it's not exactly beer and pretzels because you do have some like really tough decisions. But I just found myself having fun, fun. playing. The, yeah, it's fun. All you need. Play, fun. Playing, 
playing the game and like I have not won this game yet, but I've had fun losing. And like I always feel like that's a great sign in a game of like I felt like I was doing things. I was making interesting decisions. I was enjoying the way I was interacting with my particular um, flavor like race isn't the right word, but you play faction or something. There's like eight different colors in the game. And like only some of the colors are going to be in based upon the number of players. And even then there's like two different versions. Like I was playing yellow and I could have been the clerics or I could have been the cat people. And and like, that's kind of the tone of the games. Like you can be the clerics that are always coming back from the dead, or you can be the cat people that are, you know, uh, stealing other people's units to use in your combats. And, and like, that was the level of, of the game. And it was fun. It sounds like it. Like I played a little terraforming. Played a little terraforming Mars this week with a friend of the podcast, Dave Gillison. But then like our game went uh, kaput, like the, uh, the terraforming Mars iOS, like I think there was an announcement this week that was in our, our 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 game brain our Facebook group talking about how that went down and like suddenly David was looking at the developer UI. So <laughs> we we've got to get it's, more terraforming Mars in on iOS, but I think it's actually down right now. Like the server, the server has been like they they gave it up or something, right? I thought I saw it briefly. They just something. said no more, no Mars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any Mars more games for you this week, other than you know a dozen uh, different 18xx games? Nothing. Wor- nothing really of note. Just nothing you know, really. I of played note. Taverns of Chief and Thal on the crew. It was fun. What else? What <laughs> it else? It was fun. You, everyone knows. Hopefully, everyone at fun. this point knows those games. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm like. You guys know those games. What else do I have to add to it? All um, right. Well, let's get to the news then. Good evening, Mr. Mr. Nelson, South American. All equipment and equipment is seen. Let's go to press play. <laughs> All right, Ben, uh, this week's game news has a theme. Do you know what this okay. theme is? The theme That's is... It's such an unfair question. Games. All right, here's, uh, here's my bad theme for this week. This, is the, this week's game news are all about changes uh, for our hobby during COVID. Oh, Ch-ch-ching. oh! I guess I could have read that on the on the on the breakdown on the for the episode. It's right, actually right in front of my face. <laughs> but is that theme cheating? Is... I don't know. Is that cheating? <laughs> yes, we do have we do have show notes. Okay, so for me, the big news uh, this week was uh, Gen Con 2021 dates have been announced. Uh, normally, Gen Con takes place at either like the last week in July or the first week in August, but they have announced that it will this year. They're going to try to do it. It's going to be September 16th through 19th. Um, it's not going to be the same old Gen Con. Uh, I think they're they're talking about having uh, limited, uh, they're going to have an attendance cap. They're going to have what they say is a robust schedule of live streaming and online gaming through Gen Con Online. And then they're also going to try to do local events at game stores through pop-up Gen Con. So like, that's the good news. They're going to try to do it. The bad news is that September 16th through 19th conflicts with Yom Kippur and they didn't at all. (laughs) They didn't didn't realize or they didn't give it enough weight, but obviously a lot of people are unhappy about that. And so they've apologized, uh, but they've kind of like apologized for how they rolled out the announcement. Yeah. They're not, they're not changing the date. Um, This is when it's going to be. So well, we were well, talking before, like you, you've have never gone to, to Gen for. <laughs> What'd you say? You've never I've been. I've never been. I've never, I've never, like 
Uh, I have I actually have very minimal interest in going to Gen Con. Um, oh, okay. I really, yeah. No, I'm actually not very interested in going to cons. Um, I go to. I I actually used to never even have any interest in going to Strategic Con. Uh, it was Jesse who was like, "You got to come to Strategic Con. It'll be fun. You get to meet the guys, the podcast." I was like, "Okay, cool." Um, and then I've gone since, you know, because it, now I'm I I it, you know it is fun. It's fun to do, but in my mind, I'm always like, "This is cool," but like. I would just rather play games with my friends, right? Uh, Which is not to shade strangers, but like, you know, it's like I like if I have to choose between playing friends with strangers and playing friends, um, playing friends, playing games with strangers or playing games with friends, I, I want to play with my friends more. Um, it's cool to meet people. Um, and I have actually had a lot of fun at Strategicon, but uh, Strategicon is also local. And I don't know if I really feel like, you know, investing and in flying across the country and, doing all that uh, but i my you know my mind could be changed it's just it's not there quite yet especially yeah you fair know, enough, fair enough. i mean i've been going for over 10 years so when i go to gen con now i am seeing friends i'm seeing right. friends from That's all the around the country um people that i've like done larps with for years and years and years and so you know easily more than half the con is just seeing my extended group of friends and some of these people are you get to game with online or whatever, but like, there's nothing like playing a game in this case, it might be a LARP or playing, you know, and then going out and getting dinner and getting drinks and hanging out till way till late. And that's, that's part of the appeal. It's not just wandering around a convention floor, looking at booths of people trying to sell you games. I mean, Gen Con's so big, everybody has a different experience. And I think like some people might go to Gen Con and it would be completely different from what somebody who's gone 10 years and who's a LARPer versus a war gamer versus a Magic the Gathering player. Like it's huge. Yeah. I mean, I imagine it's probably, probably super fun to just immerse yourself in pure board game mania for three days. And on that level, I think I, that is something I would like. I think I would actually would love that. Well, just playing well, games, we'll playing games there one year. Well, listen, if they have a game brain panel, you know, you know, okay. I, listen, I can, I can never resist pontificating in front of a crowd. <laughs> so, you know, who knows if they ever, if they decide to do that. So one final bit of news on Gen Con, or at least my understanding of it. So for last year's Gen Con, if you bought a badge, because I'd bought a badge before they canceled in 2020. So badges have rolled over to 2021. Uh, it's also the case that now, if you do not do not want to go in 2021, they will give you uh, a refund on your badge. Um, okay. If you're not going to go this year, that's my understanding. Hopefully that's true, but. I think, you know, I will definitely be there in 2022, whether 2021 is the right time to go back. It's just kind of like, it's still too too soon to say. Yeah, that's I I agree. It's a little, little early for me, just a little bit. I mean, vaccinations are rolling out, which is really good, but you know. It's just hard. I can't make that call yet. I'm optimistic, but can't make the call, especially if I'm going to be planning events. Because normally, like Tom and I, we you know we do LARPs through a group called Iocane Productions. That's our LARP group, and like this requires a lot of planning. Like you know, we have to write a LARP, we have to cast a LARP. People are going to make costumes, and like this year just feels more like well, like if it's if it's going to work, we'll show up. But like planning makes it almost impossible. Like we have to make a decision very soon about whether we're going to do it or not. All right. In other news. Uh, consolidation, consolidation. Uh, Asmodee has acquired um, 
Plan B Games. So Plan B is most notably known for like Azul. And I guess like Great Western Trail is is Plan B. I don't know if they were always Plan B, but like also like Century Spice Spice Road Trilogy, Camel Up. Um, so again, falling into the, you know, changes to the hobby during COVID, we're, we're continue, continuing to see a certain amount of consolidation as, as Modi buys, uh, more stuff. Um, other news also Z-Man games, which is now part of FFG wasn't always, but more consolidation. Mm, consolidation. They had a post, yeah. More consolidation. So they had they did a post um, in which they announced that they are canceling their Princes of Florence re-release. Um, have you ever played Princes of Florence, Ben? Uh, no, but there's a there's a board game shop in New York City right by the Empire State Building, and I'm blanking on its name. But um, the complete strategist I, is that complete it? strategist. That's exactly it. And anytime I would be in new york city i would always drop by to see if there's any cool things to get and i always noticed that they had a copy of the princes of florence and i was like should i get it should i get it i don't know anything about <laughs> it i just know it's a game that's supposed to be cool and i never got it and then i read this article and now i'm like oh, i should have gotten it just purely based on scarcity i'm like i should have gotten it uh, but that article was um man it was kind of sad about reading about how how Z-Man is sunsetting their Euro Classics line, which is mainly just Reiner Knizia games. Um, that's a bummer. I always hate hearing about games going out of print. You know, it just and and they had a very snarky. He had a very snarky paragraph in there where he said, "Let's let me let me read this. Let me find it." Um, no, I've I've got it here. If you want me to read it, so this you read is, it um, then. Well, there'll be a link in the in the show notes here if people want to check it out. So this was Z-Man's uh, head of studio talking about both canceling this game that seemed like ready to go, the re-release. This, by the way, mm-hmm. this is the first game like when Tom was pulling me into the board gaming hobby like like over fifteen years ago. I think Princes of Florence may have been like the first thing that mm-hmm. we played. So this is like this is one of those old classic games and i think part of the thing going on the industry a lot of times is like certain games get forgotten or like they've released long ago and they need a re-release and i think that was the idea behind this uh you know z-man doing this uh but they've you know i don't know how much of this is covid and how much of this is just changes to the hobby but so the z-man's head of studio said if you do attempt to re-release a game via traditional distribution channels then you need to pray that any number of witty uk board game influencers take notice and give you coverage these folks hold massive sway over the current industry's focus and without a ringing endorsement poshly articulated in the queen's english best euro ever anyone your your revised labor of love is headed for a miniature market fire sale yeah, I I was reading between the lines on that one big time. I don't know if I was misinterpreting what he was trying to say there, but I did not actually get the sense that that was a he was making a statement full of love by saying that. <laughs> I, I got the sense that he was probably he probably felt a little fed up that like you know there's certain like very very popular taste making you know content creators out there that you know if they like something. They, you know, they can cause it to sell sell out immediately, and it sounds like this guy was either was maybe a little burned by that experience, or didn't feel like some of their reviews were on point. But I was just like, "Huh, okay, all right, this is interesting." 
I see. I I aspire to be a witty board game influencer. Oh my god, me too. I would love to. I want to be like by. Well, I, I was gonna say I, I want to be like by Hansa Teutonica and make it sell out, but I tried doing that and I didn't make it sell out. And then Shut Up and Sit Down did it, and then they made it sell out. And I was like, great. I'm not witty. I'm not British. Well, I think like part of what we're doing, hopefully, in this podcast is championing games, and I like, and I think like they're clearly talking about like uh, Shut Up and Sit Down, and uh, they're no also talking about att- F- yeah, you know, am- among others. And like, I think like we we're doing this on our, on our podcast though, is like, we're, we're not just doing new board games. Like maybe mm-hmm. like, I think we're trying to address this. Like, uh, I do want to champion Taj Mahal and raw and through the desert and samurai. Like these are all games that are going to be part of this Euro classics line. So like, yeah, this is sad news. I think this is kind of like a tacky way of complaining about changes in the industry, yeah. but like there are great games that have kind of gotten, slid aside like i language i mean i agonize every single time i see agricola slip further down the bgg rankings mm-hmm. of what used to yeah. be the number one game and i don't understand I, I do understand some of this frustration of like the new hotness like there's clearly right. ratings inflation for one thing you know mm-hmm. like new it's not just that new like there's a lot of great new games it's also that like the numbers go up um but we want to champion these old games. This is a shame that Euro Classics is 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 being sunsetted. Um, yeah. That said, I don't think this is the the end of the world on these games because they're going to revert back to the designers' control yeah. now. So I that think there is a good chance that we'll see it. them in another form. It just won't be from Z Man. And my experience has been that whenever there's been a game that's been out of print and long out of print, and you're like, "Uh, will this game ever come back?" It literally always comes back. Like Ginkopolis is back. That was one that was out for a long time. Chwa came back. Uh, a lot of these games come back. And actually, to a credit to Shut Up and Sit Down and No Pun in- Intended, no, no is that they actually are really good about highlighting older games. I mean, Shut Up and Sit Down just did Hansa Teutonica. And it was great. I've been waiting for them to 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 notice Hansa Teutonica for a long time. And they did. And, they, and the reason why they make it sell out is because they have... They have really smart and well thought out opinions, um, and they explain exactly what they like about a game, and then people can use that to decide if they're going to buy it or not. And so, you know, if this article was having a little bit of an issue with those those creators, um, I understand probably the frustration with being like, "What about this game? Why don't you look at this game?" I understand that frustration, but it's not the it's not really the content creator's fault. If they love a game, they love a game. Well, there was also like there was a snarky comment about like if these games do get brought back because we do see re-releases of games and they often are on crowdfunding sites like Kickstarter. But there was a snarky comment about like if these games do come back, I'm sure they'll come back on Kickstarter with a number of stretch goals and a lot of like little extra add-ons and flashy bits, yeah. you know, that that can come with it. And it's like, yeah, that probably is the right way to to re-release a yeah. A game Probably. now, like the the market has changed. The way that games get to the consumers has changed. Traditional board game, you know, publishers, like the, things. Yes, the, things yeah. have changed. I, I mean, I think it just sounded like someone who was probably very frustrated that yes. this probably sounded like it was probably a passion project, and it probably got, you know, shut down for reasons that were very frustrating to him, and uh, he probably was. In his feelings, you know, and understandably so. I would be in my feelings too. I'd be all sorts of snarky in my in my like 
blog about it. So like, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but it must really suck, by the way. It must really, it must be just like the worst. You have this game that you know is great. And you're like, everyone used to think this game is great. And it still is great. The game hasn't changed. But now it's not cool enough for you. Like that does, that is very frustrating, I imagine, for someone who's trying to champion it through the production process and is being told. Well, maybe no. ironically, like Princess of Florence will now get a lot of notice. It just, and just won't be for Z-Man. Like, like we'll go play it. We have a copy of the game. I know Tom has a copy of the game. So, you know, maybe that'll be one of the games we get, we get on the, on the table when we actually get back to playing in person. Yep. Okay. Final, final bit of game news. And this is not uh hobby related. I just, uh, new Kickstarter project called Mage Noir. Mm. And uh, this caught my, my interest a little bit because I do like these kind of, um, uh, deck builder card games and this features yep. mage to mage combat which sounds a little bit like magic the gathering i think the difference here if i understand correctly is like it's it's just strictly mage to mage combat there's no creatures it operates off of a shared mana pool so this all sounds like i don't know if this is going to be good but it's something i'm going to keep uh an eye on i also like that i think the designers are french and um you know i want to be a very cool Magic yeah. Noir player. Would you like to play Magic Noir with me, Ben? Mage Would you Noir. like to pull? I can't say that I'm overwhelmingly intrigued by it. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, there, I, there's stock involved for these. Yeah, for these I, know, I, I like to think of myself as someone who is open to all games and will try all games. But after several years of, of being in the board game hobby, I've realized that I should stop lying to myself because I set myself up for disappointment, which I probably will address again later in the topic. We sure, really, sure. really tease the topic big time today. But um, I also, I have a very strange reaction to games like that um, because uh, uh, I have some friends who just are all about those kind of games. And then I would come along, and then if I come along with a game that has to do with trains or something like that, they just shame me to death. Like, oh, here's Ben with another train train game. I'm like, well, I'm playing with all your elves and your mages, and I don't care about <laughs> elves and mages, but my train is the bad guy here. And then so now I actually have like built up re- resentment to that genre because right. I felt like it was unfair that like my genre was receiving snobbery when I was open to that genre. So I've done like the most human thing possible, which is now resent blame an entire genre, which does not deserve to be blamed because I have my own personal issues that I'm working through. So yeah, that's fun. No, I think this is important because like, we're kind of talking about like we have these, uh, you know, like different communities with under the gaming umbrella and like we do have these weird, not rivalries, but there's little hurts and harms and resentment. Yeah. And like I'm sure like the the Strategicon 18x X players don't even know I exist. And like my <laughs> feelings about them, you know, are so un are you so unfair. All your like, you feel shamed it, right? by Magic the Gathering players. That sounds so ridiculous it's that about a Magic the much Gathering deeper. player could condescend to you. And um, they're all my friends, by the way. They're my friends, and I, I I love them and I adore them. And I play these games and I've had fun with these games, but I just get like i just got a little sore because i felt like i am so open to your theme which i'm not really into inherently but i felt like it wasn't being reciprocated towards me of course i never actually voiced this i just internalized it (laughs) and projected it onto the genre 
for me, the like, if you have identified like the game that most appeals to me that I'm going to gravitate towards, I think I described Mage Noir as a deck builder. That's not actually right. I think it's a uh, deck construction. It's a constructed deck game, and like you can play with a pre-built deck. But like the games where I can put together a deck away from the game before I play it. That appeals to me. Like I love putting together that mm, kind of stuff. I like, that's fun. Uh, you know, I played uh, Game of Thrones for years, and I probably like designed so many decks that I just never even played with. But like the act of constructing a deck was deeply pleasurable, and I could do it when not actually uh, playing. So I'm always like looking for the next game that'll do that. That will waste mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of of my time. Uh, rather than actually playing it. Like a lot of times I don't actually even like end up playing these games that much. The construction is the fun part. So that sounds really fun. That actually honestly sounds like it'd be super fun. I think I would like that too. I've always enjoyed games that involved customization and creating my own experiences, you know, like even in video games, like excite bike, I would just love excite bike because I could make my own tracks, you know, there is a crossover here also with like games that appeal to me, um that are like video games or mmos like where you have a character and you're going to essentially like construct the character in terms of like how you spec it out you start looking at different like when i played world of warcraft is like you know specking your hunter a Mm. certain way because this is like tailoring it to your play style and it wasn't just like what's good it's also you're tailoring it to like what you enjoy in the game the kind of play Mm -hmm. that you want want to have i I like it when there's that kind of crossover um between different games yeah um yeah that sounds super fun all right so let's get to the games that we are thinking about and let's go a little old school here games Mm. games of the brain these are games we like to play these are games stuck on our brains oh baby it's just all right the emotion just comes through so clearly with that recording my games on the brain motion is it It's like yearning. Like, let me come on, game. Come on over here, baby. Let's just like have a night. So um, that's an emotion, right? Or is that just a creepiness? It's a <laughs> it's a call. <laughs> just an emotion. Something. It's a calling. We don't know what it uh, is, but we're we're calling. What what games are on your brain, Ben? Um. So of course, I have an 18xx game on my brain. Uh, it's called 1840 uh, Vienna Tramways. Um, the designer, I forget his name. It's his, his name is Lonnie and his company is called Lonnie. He actually is also one of the designers of Russian railroads. Um, and he, he also designed 18 CZ, which I mentioned earlier and Vienna tramways. Uh, I'm intrigued by because it really turns 18 XX on its head. Like I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty, uh, or I'm not going to try to like explain why, but I'll just, for those who do know, 18xx like these things might what i'm about to say may resonate like all all trains are diesel trains every tile is a stop um there's no rusting of trains but the but the train maintenance goes up every phase stuff like that that looks totally bizarre and i'm very intrigued plus i went to vienna once in 2008 and i loved it (laughs) (laughs) and honestly like things like that i mean i when we talk about uh, game themes you know uh, i actually really like real world themes um, and I like that. I, like I went to Vienna and I would love to play a game where you're visiting, you know, like whatever the, I, I forget all the, the landmarks, <laughs> you know, but like, you know, the Habsburg's palace, you know, things like that. So um, I'm really intrigued, but the thing is it's a very expensive game as a lot of these 18 XX games are. It's huh. about like, 
you can get it at Board Game Bliss for like $145. So I'm like, Ooh. if it had been, even if it had been $70, I probably would have been like, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it. You know, but um, $145, I'm like, oh, gosh, I really would love to try this out. There is a mod on TTS, so I'm really hoping to play that. I really, really, really want to try it. And then the other games on my brain, um, obviously about Fiam because Rado said it was, uh, uh, what's his, what's the designer's name again? Uh, Friedrich for Fiam. Uh, Fiam, uh, you know Power Grid. I'm blanking on his name. Um, Friedman Fries. Friedman Fries. Ah, right. uh, uh, Rado said it was his yeah. Concordia. Which uh, and it looks really cool, so I'm interested to try that. And then there's a game I have this this really random game I have called Wings of the Baron, which I haven't played in a really long time. And I was kind of thinking it'd be fun to dust that one off. It's this really, really bizarre game where you're um, you're it's World War One and you are building airplanes for Germany, <laughs> and yeah. it's and it's like really dry looking, and it's from oh, the point. Yeah, it's from victory point games which i think is no more and it uh-huh. arrived and it looks it's so homemade looking i got it as a review copy for my blog like four or five years ago and i was so mean on my blog because i was like this game is great but it looks so homemade like everything looks like it was made from a xerox machine i just don't know if i could justify this money for these crappy components like not really realizing how like some companies that's just kind of like what it is that's the best they can do right with their with their resources but um it's a fun game. It's a really, it's a surprisingly light and silly game. So I would sort of love to dust that one off and play it again. That sounds good. Speaking of Freeman Freeze, I picked up like you and I need to play Fast Laws. I still haven't yes. played that. I, have I picked it. up a yes. copy at Geeky Tees here in Burbank. Um, I would love to play on them. that. It's fun. I've only played it at a three-player account, and it's like a, it's a it's a delight at three players. But I hear that it really sings at like four or five because at three players, you can still kind of do what you want to do. But at four and five, as you move these animals around, you really are disrupting what everyone's doing and it becomes like very chaotic and fun. So I would absolutely love to get like a large, a large group to play that large-ish four to five players as in. So games on my brain, um, been thinking one thing I just wanted to pimp a uh, channel I found on YouTube called Legendary Tactics. I've been watching, they've been doing a number of videos, uh, which are on, they do a number of different games. uh, But I specifically have been looking at their diplomacy videos where they have like strategy with top players talking about diplomacy. And like, this is a trend I would love to see more of in board games of like actually interviewing top players that are playing highly competitive Mm. games like diplomacy. I've been playing, you know, I've played diplomacy since I was in high school, very long time. And I'm kind of like familiar with the opens and like, so actually hearing from players who are much better than I am talk about the game, like even if I'm not playing it, I feel like I'm playing it. But anyway, check out uh, Legendary Tactics channel on YouTube. And then uh, my apologies to you in advance because I'm going to talk about a video game here, um, Ben. But I've been playing Valheim. Val- I'm gone. Everyone's I'm talking heavy. about it. Is everyone talking about it? Do you have friends talking about it? I think so. Um, yeah. I, I, well, or maybe I'm just influenced by by you guys you know i'm the sort of person <laughs> where like you guys mentioned it once like three days ago and then someone mentions it again one day ago and now you mentioned here like everyone's talking about it and it's just like you too but like <laughs> okay so people that don't know Val- valheim is a like a survival a survival genre in which you play a viking 
And um, generally, like you play this with a group of friends, you can totally play it solo. But I've been playing with uh, a group of about eight to 10 friends. We have our own seed. And like we've taken our characters from like the Stone Age and we've moved through the Bronze Age. And now we're into the Iron Age. And like it's a very tough game. Uh, the graphics are not the greatest in the world, but it's a deeply immersive game where I've gotten scared to death playing this goal game when i've been like attacked by a troll or some other creature in the night it can be very blair witch do not like that i do not like getting startled jenny wanders up to me and she looks at the screen and just does not understand what's going on because i will often be like just gardening like i'm just planting turnips (laughs) i'm planting my carrots there we go okay that's my vibe so yeah it's it's kind of like um minecraft for mm-hmm. slightly older people but it's also like it's got that kind of tool set where mm-hmm. people are designing amazing architectural feats within the game uh you, you can both like level the land raise the land oh that's build cool. in wood and stone and you know your your kind of fortress gets attacked by creatures all the time and you have to defend it and so i i started playing this game and i was like ah oh, this is good but i you know, like i really sh- shouldn't i'm not going to and i keep on i keep on getting sucked back in i haven't listened fell, you're not gonna it's hard for a game in over a decade and so that's yeah. that's very bad news you're not going to get any shame from me because i have I have played Animal Crossing every single day for the past 363 days. I played it every single day. And all I do is um like I'll catch a grasshopper or I'll like I'll try on a new shirt or maybe I might catch a grouper. And <laughs> like that's all I do. And I do play it every single day. Cause at some point, like six months in, I was like, I wonder like the Animal Crossing is very tied to time and the seasons. And it's like, you know, if it's 2 o'clock, 2 p.m. when you're playing, it's 2 p.m. in the game, you know, and the light changes, like it matches the light in real life. And they program in experiences that like, that you can only get on certain days of the year, etc. So I was like, I want to, I want to get every, I want to play this every single day and get the full Animal Crossing experience. And I think I have two days left before uh, my year is over. And then I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with well, my life. There is a lot of crossover between Animal Crossing and Valheim. Because I know plenty of the people who I'm playing with have played Animal Crossing. And it's not doing the like exact match on the day-night cycle. It's more like Valheim has like a 30-minute day. cycles you have like 21 minutes of light and then nine minutes Mm. of darkness and the game changes significantly at night it's much more dangerous and honestly like our most difficult thing that we have to do as a group because we'll have like seven or eight people on and we're trying to coordinate like everyone go to bed now like we're trying to skip the night and and like advance the game and just trying to get everyone in bed at the same time is the hardest challenge (laughs) competitive competitive (laughs) sleep time you you really start to get mad (laughs) because one person can't you know you know can't stop mining or whatever they're doing and getting to bed and it's like would you just log off so we can go to bed damn it (laughs) this is our tough this is our tough viking game that's fun all right well let's get to our game review yeah all right, so this week we are reviewing Praga Kaput Regni. Uh, this is a game from Vladimir Suchi. Uh, the artist on the game is Milan Vavron. 
I think. And the publisher, yeah, publisher is, you know, the, the publisher is Delicious Games. My apologies if I pronounced that wrong. So um, Praga Caput Regni, I guess this is Latin, and it means Prague, head of the kingdom. And I guess this was like the, uh, the, city, the slogan of the city. Mm-hmm. Back during the period of Charles the Fourth, who was the emperor, uh, the king of the Holy Holy Roman Emperor, and like one of the things I found, like currently Prague has changed this on the city. Currently, like it's still the em- on the emblem of the city, but now it's Praga Caput Republica. Oh, so it's you okay. know Prague head of the Republic, as opposed to you know head head of the um, what empire, it, empire? Or kingdom or. Head of the kingdom, yeah. Head of the kingdom. Yeah. So, which by and by the way, the same trip that I went to Vienna, I went to Prague also. So there we go. And did you? Which did you prefer? Since we're I actually preferred, I actually preferred Vienna. I, I love Prague. Was, well, you know, I went with my parents, and so I think that Prague. If I went with a bunch of friends, we probably would have gotten drunk in a bunch of the pubs and all that stuff. Prague was great, but Vienna really spoke to me. I loved Vienna. Loved it. Okay. Continue on. So in this game, this is one of those games where like you take on the role of a wealthy person who's helping the king, in this case, King Charles IV, expand the city of Prague and help grow it into the capital of the Holy Roman Empire. So this is a little bit like Calus. You remember Calus, you're helping mm-hmm. build out the city. And so I think what the narrative is, is like the more you contribute to the city, that's going to translate into victory points. And so the person who makes the biggest contribution to the city in the view of the king is the winner at the end of the game. And this is, so this is one of those games. So how do you contribute to the city? So this is an action. I would like trying to describe this game. This is a, This uses an action selection method. And in my opinion, like this is the most unique feature of the game is that there is an like an action selection gear. So on your turn, and you're going to get 16 turns in this game. Mm -hmm. uh, I think regardless of the number of players, you get like 16 turns. And on your turn, you're going to choose an action off of this wheel. And the action actually looks like a like two hexes that are stuck Stuck together, together, which will give you one of two options. So imagine like eight of these different double hexes or so around a gear, and you're going to pick one of them and choose one of the two actions off of this piece. In addition to that, where this piece connects to the inner gear, there will be a reward that's on the gear. Like generally this spoke on the spoke yeah like yeah it's like on the spoke get some stone get some gold get a victory point you can buy a better thing like there's some little stuff there that comes with like how it lines up with where it attaches to the gear in addition to that um where on the wheel it is determines like there could be an additional cost in order to choose this action because it was chosen recently, or if an action doesn't get chosen for a long time, it starts to kind of like accrue a reward of victory points. The longer that this thing does not get chosen. So on mm-hmm. your turn, you're going to take one of these actions. You can kind of get these rewards. You can do that in any order. And then you're going to return the action back to the wheel, like essentially like send this action to the end of the line. So if somebody wants to choose this action, again, it's going to be very expensive. You'll have to spend a lot of gold in order to choose this again. Whereas if something has been spinning around the wheel for a long time, there's more and more victory points that you get when you finally do choose it. 
So I think there's like what there's like six to eight different actions, eight different actions in the game, or something. Uh, I think there's then. six. There's six, six different actions you can take, and uh, the game is really about um, you're just you're you're using these actions to to you can you can upgrade the actions themselves. So that way, when you take that action, maybe when you take a certain type of action, you always get a piece of gold, something like that. Um, you can build buildings on the map. So you can develop a little town in there. You can um, do you can do what's called a wall building action, where you're building a wall around what essentially looks your, like your a honeycomb personal action board. Yeah, yeah. You have this little honeycomb, so you can build walls around it. That will give you some, certain things. You can um, you can in, you can increase your 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 rock mining abilities or your gold mining abilities. Um, or there's also a road that goes through the through the map, and you can travel along the road. So you can actually decide to travel along the road. That's like helping those build are actually, the bridge, right? That's a bridge, yeah, action, right. And that's those are actually the, the six things that you can do. Just you're either building buildings, building walls, upgrading your actions, going down the road, or improving your 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 stone or gold productions. And even then, it's like you're choosing between I'm either mining for gold. Or I'm improving my mining for gold. I'm mining for stone, or I'm improving my mining for stone. Like yeah. even within that action, there's a choice in like what you're doing there. Right. There's always like little actions, but sort of like from a from like a bird's eye view, those are really just the, you're only just doing those six things. But but again, when you're doing those actions, you are considering where on the wheel you're pulling those actions from, and what bonuses you're going to use to synergize with. And um, things just start to uh, they just start to build and go crazy in ways that are are far more um, involved than than you would think from just taking these six simple actions, right? Because there's like each of these things that we just described. Then there's almost like there's secondary effects that result from that. Because like if mm-hmm. when I build a building in town then stuff happens. Like there's a certain amount yes. of like area control, completing squares, getting points for expanding the town. And then depending on the kind of building that you build there, this might like contribute to the cathedral or yes. contribute to the castle. And so there's always like, no matter what, what action you choose and it seems simple, there's like these secondary effects that kind of tumble on from that, yeah. that kind of cascade. Yeah. And so and it that's, seems I- simple. Like it, it's yes. a simple game of like simple. on your turn, you take an action and then you pass. Yeah. And so sometimes in the game, this feels like a micro turn. Like I'm just doing this little thing. And then other times it feels like, and then it, and then this happens and then this happens and like, Oh, the you just took a mega turn. Yeah. And the combos basically go nuts. The combos go nuts. And then on top of that, there's turn, there's times when you've accrued a number of different kinds of window panes or whatever. Yeah. So that, in addition to your mega turn, you actually get to take a second turn. You get to take a mega kaput regni turn, which <laughs> you takes really a second do. time. So you're, you, you know, sometimes it's little, sometimes <laughs> it's a big, 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 big turn. It's yeah. It's that the turns get larger and larger because as Trey said, like, it seems like everything you do, especially when you're placing tiles, you always seem to get like a little bonus and when your bonuses start to match up and this bonus leads to that bonus and it moves you up on that track and that kicks off another bonus and that kicks off another thing. And it feels like 
you're setting off a fireworks factory sometimes and and like you'll have a mega turn and and if you have a really good mega turn people around the table will go oh wow like that was a mega turn you know you sort of feel like you get like a little bit of like a round of applause at least in some of the games i played um (laughs) it can really it can really and and that's that's essentially what the game is all about like timing it's about when am i going to take that action what is it going to give me that I time it right so that way I can shoot off all these things all at once? Yeah, there's there's a lot going on here. Yeah. There's a lot of different sections of the board. It's a lot to take in at the beginning. You do you do eventually grok it so that this stuff makes sense, but there there's a lot of things different going on here. Like and it can be overwhelming. I was certainly a little overwhelmed when I first saw it because like we, I kind of said before, like the, the main part of the game is this action selection crane. And like, that's probably like my favorite part. It also has this beautiful hex tile map of the city where yes. there's like an outer portion of the city. Then there's a more expensive inner part of the city. And you're always like completely trying to like complete uh, filling in around these um, squares or not squares. They're what are they called? Plazas. They're plazas, called plazas. Right. Yeah, that that map, and I think before we really drill down on all mm-hmm. these things, because all there's a lot of stuff actually going on. Like, don't don't get don't get um don't get confused that when we're like, oh, it's simple, it's just this, this, and this, and there's combos. There's a lot of stuff. So before we really drill down on all those things, I do want to take a moment to reflect on the art in this game. Yeah, uh, this board, some some will inevitably accuse it of being a very busy board. It is a busy board. I absolutely love it. This is probably one of my favorite boards of all time. I, I actually find it to be such a warm and inviting board. And you can sit there and you can look at there's all these details. It's sort of, it's, I, I always say for some reason, it reminds me of a Richard Scary children's book. A lot of times it gets uh, compared to Where's Waldo. Yeah. It's has that, that, that picture book quality. And if you look, there's like all these little adorable vignettes of people working or doing things all over the board, little boats in the river. Um, it, uh, and in fact, there are a lot of real life Prague landmarks that have been incorporated oh. into the art, yeah. which is uh, really yeah, cool. The, the, yeah, the instruction booklet uh, actually has a page dedicated to landmarks around Prague because we should mention that the designer of Vladimir uh, Suchi is actually, I believe he's from Prague or maybe from Czech Republic. And this is sort of a love letter to mm-hmm. his city. Um, so it is a, it is a busy board, but I, I, I mean, I, I absolutely yeah, it's gorgeous. love it's, the, the illustrations. Like, I, I really like that kind of dense style. If you like, I, mm-hmm. the where's Waldo, like you can just sit there and kind of lovingly let your eye wander over the map and take in yeah. all of these uh, different details. And I think one of the, the pleasurable things about the game um, that I think it partially really succeeds in is like, as you build the city, you start to kind of like fill out the map with additional yeah. artwork. And that's nice. You're like you feel, you do feel like the progress of the city filling up as you contribute to it. Yeah, there's also some there's also some functional and not so functional um, components. Um, so on the functional end, one thing is when you track your gold and your stone; those are your, your two resources. You actually have these two little dials on your player board, and uh, as you move your dial up, just a circular dial. And by the way, and these are illustrated very beautifully as well. It looks like a little sort of like 
mill like of machine, some sort. Yeah, like a yeah. You know, wooden stone constructed siege engine almost, you know, right? Yeah. So one thing that happens in this game is like when you hit, when you've reached six gold or you reach six stone, in both cases, you get to move up what's like a book track, essentially. It's like a technology track. And they could have just drawn like a little marker on there to say, hey, you get this when you get here. But it's easy to forget that. And so what happens is as your wheel tries to cross the threshold into six, it bonks into a cube that's covering <laughs> that icon. Right. And so it's it's like saying, hey, you're going up the technology track. And also you get that cube. That cube is, is, is nominally important for other things. But um, it's just like a cool user-friendly thing that reminds you, you got something. And we also get that with the wheel itself. The wheel does a certain number of full rotations before the you know before the the game ends, like at the, depending on player count. And every time it goes by this one area, there's like a cube in the wheel that drops down. That when that happens, it is a reminder to the players to advance another cube <laughs> forward. <laughs> and the reason why that the other cube is just to track how many rotations you've made. It's kind of like it's like ding dong, you've now made one rotation. Now you've made a second one. It's a cool. Really cool um, feature to, to track the, your progress in the game with these rotations. Well, it's also like this is one of those games that has different tiles come out in the game for the first half of the game. And then there are, yeah. you know, uh, different like higher cost but higher rewarded tiles that come in for the second half. And so a little bit like Zulkin, the, the gear here is going to represent time in the mm-hmm. game and like you're going to like the, this clock of a wheel kind of like keeps turning and you're tracking your progress and then eventually yeah. you're going to you know everybody's going to have their their 16 turns but that's part of what the wheel is is tracking and you can kind of see the end of the game coming mm-hmm. there on, on the wheel in the same way you do in Zulkin you know like oh there's the end of the game and I've got five turns left and I've yeah. got about 16 turns of stuff that I want to do and I can I have to get it within five turns there's actually even a, a handy table that's there solely to help you. That's when you when you enter your final rotation, it says, okay, player one has this many turns, player two has this many turns, player three has this many turns, which is probably helpful if you're, you know, if you're trying to plan out things, because you actually can get caught off guard by how how quickly <laughs> or how few turns you have left. On the less functional side, there is a um there's a there's like a bridge that we're building and mm-hmm. in the and we've only i've actually only played this game on tts i actually right. have the hard copy um but you can the bridge you can actually build it as a three-dimensional bridge which is cool but there's also these two tracks there's a um it, the, let me say the bridge thing is cool i don't really see it as being very functional it's just cool um there are also these two tracks uh that's a hunger wall track and a cathedral track and um they exist on the board but you can again also build them, and they're kind of like this like three tiered thing that you can erect, uh, which is cool. But it's like I don't know if I like I don't I don't know if there's much functionality beyond being cool. And people online have have complained that they're actually really tall, and if you're sitting uh, on one side of the board, you have a, you have trouble actually seeing over them a little bit. And they and and they also are really bulky, and it involves a whole bunch of like gluing and you can't glue the wrong thing otherwise it won't fit in the box but if you but so. if you walk past this game at a convention you would stop it's a beautiful yeah. board and it has this three-dimensional aspect to it where you know i think both the gear and then like the this cathedral and kind of wall wall track kind of tears up like there's multiple yeah. tiers as you progress Stadium seating. More points yeah in it. It's yeah. a good it's a it's an interesting way of representing those tracks. Even like you said it has almost like zero functionality, but it does look 
cool. It, I think it shows like the designer was like, I just want to do something special for this. I just want this to look special and find ways to add, make this more than just a, a board game, like a, like a 2d board game. It seemed like he really wanted to just like find ways to make it come alive where he could uh, for, for users. So Ben, why don't you describe like when you're playing this game, what's your, what's your mental process? Cause I think this goes to like what you really like about this game in mm-hmm. terms of like how when you're playing it what are you thinking about well as we talked about before there's like so many combos you can do and where, where what happens to me is i'm constantly trying to figure out what combos are going to benefit my strategy and what i go through with this game is i go through a massive amount of tension because Every action that you do, it does give you something, but often it gives you something in a direction that you're not trying to go in, I find, right. um, mm-hmm. or intentionally. And it's, and it's not like, oh, that's annoying. For me, it's not like, oh, that's annoying. It's like, oh, oh no, like I want to do, do action X, but action X rewards me for action Y. And now I've got all these rewards for doing action Y. So I probably should do action Y to lean into that, right? Because I always feel like you always want to lean into things. And then I'm doing action Y. And then when I'm doing action Y, I'm now suddenly rewarding action Z. And so the game is constantly pushing and pulling you in all these different directions. And I I think, and I'll I'll give some examples too, by the way. But, But I think what makes it interesting is trying to really focus and and say okay where are the distractions and where is like where is my through line and i think that's a i think that's a really really fun challenge so uh, to me the clearest example is that when you build walls um you a lot of the walls will give you movement on the hunger wall track which we mentioned and as you move along the hunger wall track you will get more points for um these blue these blue discs that you can you can sort of get throughout the game. And the way the primary way that you get the blue discs in the game is by building buildings in town. Right. But when you build buildings in town, one of the things that buildings in town do is they move you along the cathedral track. And the cathedral track, the more you move on the cathedral track, the more you get rewarded for red discs. And the way you get red discs is by building walls. So like the more walls you build, you are like you are going to be creating a lot of red discs, but you're not getting any points for your red discs because you're getting points for blue discs. So then you have to go build your blue discs. And it's, it's it's like it's like ah, like you're constantly like, which way do I go? You know, right? And I think like there's probably five or six different examples of like I want to be doing this, but to do this I have to do this before that. And if I'm doing that, I needed to do this before yes. that. Um, like that's, and they're, and they're like clearly part of the design of the game is that there isn't some simple, I'm going to do a, then I'm going to do B, then I'm going to do a, then I'm going to do B, yeah. you know, like there's no simple engine for you to flog here, which it's is really definitely hard to flog a strength engine. of that. Yeah. But it also can mean like going through that mental process that you just described can be potentially paralyzing because yeah. yes. it's a huge decision space and i know i certainly had a a temptation to be like okay this is overwhelming what's the low-hanging fruit this round Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i'll do that like 
Yeah. And because it's I off, mean, like you said, you it's offering to. you this thing. It's like, you may really want to be mining right now, but look, if you do the wall over here, you're going to get an additional four victory points. Yes. Can you pass and up four victory points? Can. I don't think you, you can. can. You know, another perfect example are these friggin' eggs. So um, one of the, actually, <laughs> <Friggin'> eggs. <laughs> we didn't even like, get to what? the eggs. <laughs> we didn't even talk eggs. about eggs. So uh, this is in the instruction manual that when the Charles Bridge was built, um, the, they used eggs in the mortar because it was believed that eggs would make it, you know, be super strong. And, you know, and then proudly it's like, and it's still standing today. So, um, so <laughs> when you go, when you go up the, it, it says it in a Southern accent too, but, um, when you go up the road, the thing is with the road, this road that we talked about, you go up, the road is a series of action spots. And so you go from action spot number one, and then you go to action spot number two, and then action spot number three. And then the last two spots are actually this bridge. And when you get to the bridge, you can put some tiles out and you can just, you can just basically, you're building this bridge. And so as you move along this road to do, to really effectively use these action spots, you have to spend an egg and then you'll get something really cool along the way. So what might happen is you're like, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to build walls. And then all of a sudden you get a wall that gives you an egg. You're like, well, I got an egg. I might as well go up that road because I can use that egg to then increase this thing. Cause I have, I've got an egg. I might as well take one of those awesome spots. And then um, the one, one of the middle spots on the, on the road is that you can spend an egg and get a golden window and a golden window. Ooh. Notice how, notice the reverence in my voice when I golden say the golden window, window. <laughs> cause you can, you have windows in this game that you mentioned before you can spend a gold window and a silver window. Cause you can also get silver windows. And when you do that, you get an extra action, which is, so massively important. <laughs> it is truly so, so important. So what happens to me all the time, Trey, is this ex- perfect example of like getting sidetracked in this game. I'm like, well, I need to get an extra action. That's really important. So now I've gone, now I've gotten the, the gold window and now I'm halfway up this road. And now that I'm halfway up this road, should I keep on going? And now that I'm going up the road, and now I'm, now all I'm care about is finding eggs. And then my other strategy has just like gone out the window. Right. It's I'm a committed to the road. I've got to complete this bridge. Is the place yeah. I found myself playing playing this game. It's like I got to get to the end because the rewards are so big there. And They're then every huge. other aspect of my game is garbage. Right. Well, what happens is I always end the game. I've never won this game, and I always end the game. Or have I? Did I win one time? Yeah. I think I did win one time. Um, quite sure you've I, beaten me. <laughs> I think I did it once. Once, I, yes, that's right. I played with you and Paul and David. Um, but a lot of times when I look at the end of the game and look at the wreckage of my gameplay, it's I have all these you know strategies that I got three quarters of the way down the path of, but I got distracted away from them every single time. Yeah, no, that's certainly um, the way I felt at times. It's like trying to figure out this game. Like a lot of games, it kind of ends before you have feel like you really had time to get your your plan to fruition um that said it's not short you know no or at least it has it like some people this is again one of those games where people will say like oh you can play this game in 90 minutes well uh apparently not with our group um because the because it is a giant decision space and so it's hard to just be like do your lickety split move a lot of times because there's just a lot to consider if you're trying to play this game competitively yeah, but I've been frustrated a lot of times where I get to the end of the game and I'm like, oh, none of my plans 
and, and so that's just a skill thing. Like, I don't know the game well enough to have my like plans take off because this is like you said, a, a, like a combination game where to mm-hmm. do this, I needed to do this and I needed to do this. And I'm sure that like when you're, when you're good at this game or you're having a good game, those things align and yeah, sings. I, th- I think, I think so. But at this point, I've actually played this game a good number of times, and I still struggle to get things to align the way I need them to. Right. Um, a lot of times, you know, those bonuses are so important, and um, you'll be looking, and there'll be a, a, a building that you need to build, because uh, that'll give you a bonus. That'll maybe maybe move you on the book track. And if you move on the book track, there are, uh, as you move up the book track, you will get, open up technologies that'll give you ongoing powers. And... Like, oh, I'm like, I'm going to build that building. And then someone else builds it. You're like, ah, you know, it's like, that is a constant feeling in this game. Um, and those books tr- and those technologies, by the way, just cool. add on. They're really cool. And they're so, they're really small, but they're really cool. It's like you get an extra gold when you, when you do a production action, let's say. And just getting that extra gold is really, <laughs> it means a lot. <laughs> it really feels, it feels special when you get that extra piece of gold. Yeah, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably your eyes are probably glazing over like on the different tracks that we're talking about here. Yeah. This game has so many tracks, and I think like you're talking about the technology track. That's really one of the cool ones because like as you advance in the technology track, like it can really define your game. It's giving you these extra bonuses. It can give you an extra action. You you feel like my position is starting to really diverge from the other players, and mm-hmm. things are starting to kind of click together. That said, there's a number of tracks where it's simply like I'm advancing up this thing and it's going to give me more points at the end of the game. And there's probably like eight or nine that are kind of like that. There's some unsexy tracks. There's 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 one very unsexy track. I'm listen, I don't I I I was resisting calling it unsexy, but I it's not a sexy track. (laughs) Was the scholarship track? The scholarship scholarship track is not a sexy track. It's it's just your points at the end are like multiplying your scholarship track by your technology track. So the reason why it's not a sexy track. <laughs> <laughs> so you have your you have your book track, and as you go up that, you get your technologies, right? And by the way, it's really important to get those technologies, especially when you get to the level threes and level fours or instant things. And the level fours, like I will I will open up my choices for level four technologies because you draw from a little stack and you look at them and you're like, oh my God. Like you just like shout it out because you're like, this is gonna change everything for me. So that's like, that's the book track is so fun like that. And then the scholarship track, the university track is just, you, it's just a track. And then basically what it is, is um, at the end of the game, you're going to multiply how far you got up the book track by how far you got up the scholarship track. Cause like one region of the scholarship track is, is like a multiplier of one. Then the next is two. And if you get to the tippy top, it's three. It's three. So it's, Ooh, it's purely, it's, Ooh. you could max those all out and get 24 points, which could be actually very significant. But um, it's, it feels like with everything in this game, when you do something, you get a cool perk. And the scholarship track is actually, I think, the only area where you get nothing cool the entire game, um, which is a little bit surprising. It almost makes me feel like, it like could there have been i, I don't know it, it, i mean just, i don't know the cathedral track and the wall hunger track are a little kind of there's like they they can trigger certain rewards when you get to higher levels of the cathedral track but that's mostly like a point multiplier at the end well so i don't know if you've played it but so one thing with this game is that the cathedral and wall tracks um there are different there are different versions of the tracks you can play with 
And so the base one, you pretty much, the bonuses that are scattered around that are pretty much just points, but you could get with some of the other ones, there are, there are, there are juicier bonuses, which might sweeten the deal a little bit. So on the actual um, physical game, would we be like turn over yeah. the cardboard on those tiers of? I believe so. There's an A side and a B side, and okay. then there's like a basic or That's something right. like is, that. This is one of those games that like there's an A side and a B side of a lot of things. Like the action wheel, the actions mm-hmm. on that action gear have an A side and a B side. And I've, we've played with both. Um, I recommend the B side. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say A side is perfectly fine. But like uh, the way the A side works is like there'll be two... Um, let's say there'll, there'll be two wall building uh, actions, and those two wall building actions are always paired with who knows? I, I forget the other one, maybe like the road action, but it's always paired with the same thing, right? Um, whereas the B action, one wall action is paired with one action, and one's paired with another one. So there's a, a, just there's a little variety. more, yeah, a little bit more of a decision space there too. No, I, I agree with that. So tell me, um, so what do you? I know you really like this game. You you suspect that Matt will really love this game. Yeah. Um, you, we we talked about this being like the you know make lemonade from lemons mm-hmm. style of victory point accumulation. But like, tell me why you like why why does this really activate your brain? Why is this game fun for you? I have to say, I absolutely love this game. Like I like this would have been my number two game of twenty twenty. Uh, had I played it in 2020 behind the transcontinental um, I this fires on all c- cylinders for me I love this branching decision space I love these combos the art is very warm and draws me in I think it I think if this had been a game that had been a little bit more sterile and had like the tracks hadn't been as um, sort of obscured by art or or sort of you know like you know, vamped up by art. Um, I, I wonder if I would have, like, I might have dropped down like a little bit because I do think actually in this way, the, the art is very inviting and that that does help the experience. For me, what I love are trying, is, are those choices and trying to navigate through this mess. I enjoy experiences of, of seeing a wheel of actions and sitting there and just saying, oh gosh, please don't take that action. Please don't take that. I <laughs> right, need that right. so badly. I need that so badly. I love that feeling. I love looking at a market of tiles and saying, I need that one. I need that one. I need that one. Oh my God. He, she just took that one. You know, like I, I enjoy that up that those, you have a lot downs. of those moments of like, you're it, the person takes the exact thing you want. You're like, no, like, yeah, that's that, like a that fun happens. frustration. You can almost count on it. Yeah. But even more so when you do have those big combo turns, like I, I it, it, they just, they are so good. They are so <laughs> good. Like I can't express that is sexy. the big combo is, that, turn is that sexy. is so sexy. That's, where that's why. Is. Well, I think that's why the scholarship track feels, or the, I keep calling it that, but the university track feels kind of like a letdown because there are so many fun moments for me in this game when things fire off. It's like like a plan just falls into place, or even. What's even more fun is that you think you're taking a simple turn. You're like, oh, I guess I'll just do this. And they're like, oh, wait, I get that bonus. Oh, and that gives me that. And that gives me that. And I just got a cold window. And it's just like, it's a snowball in your turn. It's just, it's for me, it's a, it's a, it's a great ride of emotions. And um, it just, it, it just, it sings for me, sings. So it sounds like what you're saying is like just in the mentality of where your head space is when it is your turn in the game 
you are relishing this kind of very rich decision space in that moment of like, there are so many things I can do and I'm being pulled so many different ways. That's exactly. And there's a richness there of trying to gauge all of these different factors there. And then ultimately I just got to pick one Mm -hmm. and do it and stuff's going to happen. And a lot of times it beautifully uh, cascades. I, I relate to this. I think where like this may be a little bit different in terms of like what's pleasurable for me is that that what you're describing there is sometimes a source of frustration for mm-hmm. me where because it is it, to me this feels like uh, this is a tactical decision. I'm making this decision right now. Yeah. And I think one of my criticisms and maybe we argue about this fairly fairly only is like I feel like I I've, I've been felt frustrated that I can't implement more of a strategy, like it's a really long-term hard strategy, because when it gets to my turn, like I just have to deal with what's in front of me at that moment and make the best move at that time. And so I'm feeling frustrated that I can't implement a strategy. And maybe that's just kind of like the kind of games that I want to play is that I yeah. want that longer arc. And so like so the negative for me in this kind of uh you know headspace of the game is that I did find myself at times being bored when it was not my turn. I'm trying to mm-hmm. plan, I'm trying to strategize and then it's going to change a lot. That said, generally like when the person goes in front of you and they take the thing that you wanted and they're starting to do their turn and it's starting to cascade and you're cursing them under your breath like in that moment you are planning your next move and you're thinking about that but i did find that there were times when i was not super engaged when it was not my turn and i'm also feeling that pressure of like now it is my turn i wasn't able to plan so much Mm -hmm. there's this giant um decision space in front of me and i'm like uh, in my head there's that internal clocks going tick 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 tick, mm-hmm. tick. everybody's waiting for me everybody's waiting for me everybody's waiting for me i gotta just okay i gotta pick something i'm gonna go with this you know uh i think this is why you're actually so good at the game because you're actually very good at this game and i think the reason why you're so good is because you keep your head clear when it's not your turn and what i do is <laughs> <laughs> i when it's not my turn i think okay, I could do this. And I, I go plan A and then I come up with plan B because if plan A doesn't work, I could do plan B or plan C. I was like, because the truth is there's there are always so many interesting routes they can take where it's like, well, I really should work. On, I, sh- I should build up my uh, gold production because if I build up my gold production, clearly, I um, like that will give me one gold and that one gold is all I need to get up to six gold and that will give me a book movement, which then gives me a technology and then I can get a technology. And that's really important. On the other hand, I could do this thing and get an egg, which is also important because of this. And so it's like, for me, I spend my, my off when it's not my turn thinking about the different possibilities and I love thinking about them. But then I think what happens is, is that I get tangled up in them and then I overthink it. And then I usually choose the worst possible one. And I think that you are just like, I will I will just sit here and not not entertain any thoughts and then when it's my turn I will look and I will clearly see what is the best option and I will go forward. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I I don't know if I'm doing that. I think the difference is like if we can go to like the emotional side or whatever is like I think that that uh decision space, that mental state is more it may be a little bit more pleasurable for you. For me. Like yeah. being in in that 
in that moment. And for, and for me, it can involve a little bit more frustration and maybe mm-hmm. even like stress. I don't like people feeling like they're waiting for me. Um, I think Jennifer talks about her frustration with people that are AP. I think this game can certainly produce it. Yes. Um, it but but then we're going to play heavier or heavier games in this group. Like we need weighty decisions. That's part of what appeals to, to us. I, I like it when I can do more of that on other players. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, uh, I, I don't want to misquote her. I'll, I'll just paraphrase. She said, what were you, what stuff were you on when you decided that you liked this game? <laughs> she, uh, I think but, she um, does like it a little bit more now. She's had to replay it cause she wasn't able to sell it. I think so. she, no, I thought she did sell it. I don't know. She didn't, her, her experience was definitely not as positive as mine, but um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I really do. I, and uh, I just, it has just, it just has so connected with me. Like it just, I feel, if I may just like indulge in some hyperbole, I feel like when I play this game, I'm getting a hug. <laughs> I just oh. feel warmth. I feel mm-hmm. like the the decisions are really fun, and I feel like it's a warm experience. And I um I love I just love trying to figure out how all these things work together. Um, I also want to point out, by the way, that this game actually does have a really good amount of variability. We did talk about how the tracks are. We could do different tracks. And we also talked about the, uh, the, the, the side A, side B for the actions. The, another thing I just want to point out is that that road that we talked about, you can actually, there's a road that's printed on the board, but you can actually overlay it with some other action spots, which really change it up. So I played a three-player game last night, Trey. I played it with people who'd never played it before because I kind of wanted to get their read on it. Right. Um, and so in the game that we played, the very first action spot on that road was that as long as you are here on this spot, anytime you um, do the upgrade action, you get two points and either a stone or a gold you choose, which is actually that really affects it affects like how fast you go up the road. It affects like what actions you're motivated to do. And so just even w- having one option like that change up makes a very different kind of not a very different game but it changes your thoughts yeah the the variable setup in this game is huge both in terms of like what rewards are on the city for the plazas what tiles come out at the beginning uh you know what side of the tiles you're using like they've definitely given tons and tons of options so that this game never comes close to playing the same way twice that said i've and maybe this is my problem. I've ended up kind of pursue. Well, I did try a different strategy where I was like, I'm going to do the upgrade strategy this time. That didn't work yeah, out. You were, you were not happy Other than that, that, I do feel the temptation of, of completing the bridge yeah. every time. So it's like, it's so different. And then I did the same thing. I do find myself sort of getting pulled into the same things, but I also, this is not a game where I feel like it's samey. I just feel like I wind up sort of falling into the same trap a little bit. Um, I do think um, uh, it's not samey. I will say you can be really in, like it's easier to go up. I feel like the hunger wall than it is to go up the cathedral wall a little bit um, because I just feel like walls are a little bit easier to build than buildings. Um, so then, as a result, I I just or I just feel like I'm always getting I'm always getting the stuff I need to get to go up the the hunger wall. You know, um, it works out that way. Yeah, it just works out that way. The road is is relatively easy to go up if you really just decide you want to go up the road. Um, 
But what I like about this game too is, and maybe this is why it feels like a hug. It does feel like on almost every single thing you do, you you get a reward in some fashion. You know, not going up when you go up the, the the university track, you don't get a reward, but usually the university track is a reward. But I feel like you always get something. And um, I think back to I only played Darwin's Journey once, um, so I I. I the case is not closed with Darwin's Journey. I played Tekenyu twice. And those are both games where there's like a lot of stuff going on and you can right. do this and it bounces off to that. You, you combo this with this and this and this. And I definitely felt like with both of those games, there was a lot of like, no, you can't do that. No. Oh, you don't have those. You don't have the search. Right, where you don't stuff have the money is for the gated search more. Very gated. To here, like you can do whatever you want. And it's just a question of like what other like nice nice bonuses and shinies and bennies to you. Yeah. Get. Like you, if you don't have enough money to build that house, that's fine. Maybe you can build this house instead. Or if you, Oh, you can't do that action, but you can do this action and still get something from it. Like every turn I felt like it'd be, it's very rare where I would have a turn where I felt like I did nothing. It happens, but it's very, there are rare. a few micro turns, but that might be the right thing sometimes. Like, yeah, is right. Sometimes this is the one thing that's stopping me from doing the, my mega super Caput Regni, you know, turn next turn to do it. Like the, I think the comparison I made is like, I think this is a much better version in some thematic, uh, in some ways of, of Trismegistus. Like mm-hmm. the, which, the, I haven't played. which you haven't played. Okay. But like these kind of like a leads to B leads to C. And sometimes like I'm combining and do this and it's going to combo. And we're going to pull these things together to do, to do this. Um, like this is a better version of some of the pleasures of Trismegistus. That said, like Trismegistus is like one of my least favorite games I've, <laughs> I've ever played. And this kind of falls in the category of like games that I think that are good games, games that are well designed, but just kind of just don't, click for me in, entirely and i i feel like i'm i'm probably gonna play um praga some more mm-hmm. i'm not especially looking forward to it but i also feel like i could get better at this with more mastery i might appreciate it but it probably is not it's not clicking for me the same way it's clicking for you yeah it's definitely a good game and i'm finding lots of bits of pleasure in playing it um but it's not sticking with you it's not. Yeah, that's it's, okay. You know, good, good it's games. It's not sticking to you like an egg so yolk many, on a we bridge. We have so many great games to play with. Like we're, we're making decisions about uh, our time a lot of times. And so I'm not sure I'm eager to play this one again. At the same time, I recognize that this is a, this is a very good game that mm-hmm. a lot of people will absolutely adore the way you do. I think one thing that we also, it's actually very important that we discuss, which we haven't talked about at all, but I think this will be, this is a very important factor for people is the interaction in this game, player to player interaction. Uh, it's not high. I don't <laughs> think it's high. I, I, I mean, I think it's there. I think it's there. Um, because I do pay attention to what, how much, how many resources people have. You know, I'm thinking about things like, um, I need to build I need to build that house, but I need to do something else. Can I get away with not building that? What is the likelihood that, that that piece might be taken? What is the likelihood that that person might buy that house? Like what are their resources? What are their resources? So I'm thinking about things like that. Um but uh but in terms of like the sort of the more uh playing, it's like indirect interaction, I think, which I'm totally fine with and I'm happy with it and I have it, I honestly have no 
no issues with that. I think the most that there is like direct action uh, interaction is in the building of the towns um, where we talked about you build these houses around plazas. And um, one thing that can happen is if you have the most presence around a plaza, you can get like a, a you can get a boatload of, of points and, and bonuses. So that is an area that there could be like a lot of super, a lot of interaction but I've never really. I think it was only in that one game. That hasn't exactly play. played out so much in our games yet. Yeah, like we've, we've I, wanted to play it at some different player counts to see if that actually became more. The city game became more interactive. Yeah, with more people. Like we specifically brought in Paul to kind of say, like, should you know, we'd like to, we'd like this game to be kind of like a knife fight in the you know building buildings around plazas, and we just kind of like haven't found that to be true or especially interesting yet yeah it, i mean it's like it's, it's like perfectly fine interaction yeah. um uh you know th- the interaction tends to be like if i align this building here there's a lot of the tiles have like little um markings on the corners and on the sides and if you line up like the blue the blue corner with this blue corner you're gonna get a blue token those are the tokens i mentioned before yeah. so if you line up this blue token with that blue token you're gonna get a token but then if someone comes in and, and take lines up their blue corner with the two previous blue tokens, they're going to get two blue tokens. So you're creating opportunities for people. So you have to consider that. So that's something to think about. And you are trying to get that presence. But you know, one of the reasons why I think that we don't have a huge knife fight is also there's only a certain type of building tiles that allow you to exert presence right. on the board. Right. And so if, if those tiles don't come up a lot, then you're not going to have that's that major interaction there you'll have other a different type of interaction i'm not gonna bother going into it but you don't have like the pre you don't have like an area control in the same way um and so you do have interaction i think trey didn't we play one game where we did get a lot of city tiles out there yeah or no we have but it still didn't feel that interactive it wasn't like like we weren't competing like we we kind of wanted like are we competing to complete these plazas and it 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 did f- it still felt a little I'm just pursuing my you know I'm doing the thing that's best for me at this moment type yeah. of thing you know or, inter- or I'd want to compete and I'd be like I really want to compete but like everything has pushed me towards the walls instead you know the interactivity for me in this game is that the game presents you with all kinds of benefits, all kinds of choices and benefits that are there to be snatched up. And it's so like the main interaction is what action are you choosing, right? Like there's all these things there, like what action you're choosing. And sometimes you will absolutely think I can't like, this may not be the best move for me action wise, but it's going to make someone else's game. So I have to deny them yeah. that because it's just too good for this person. I have to do it. And I think that's mostly where the interactivity is like oh, this wealth of possibility of stuff that you can snatch up and you're constantly ha- snatching stuff up and having other people snatch up the things that you wanted. And like, that's mm-hmm. where the interactivity is. And that's, that's not the worst thing because you're, you're certainly nobody's punching you in the face in this game. Yeah. It's not one of those nice. games where you're, you know, like, Oh, Ben just wrecked me with that, with that play, which is possible. Even in right. games like uh, Agricola, which is worker placement, where like, oh, somebody took that renovation. I'm not going to get to a stone house like mm-hmm. that. And I needed that stone house so bad in order to trigger three other cards I right. have. I'm dead. Thanks, Ben. You know, yeah. that's, but not, like in, that's not this game. Right. But you don't. But but there's not a lot of motivation to get into someone's head and not not being like to, to screw <laughs> someone. <laughs> so just to be like, already big enough, right? Yeah. Like there's like even in Concordia, my number one game of all time, yours too, right? 
Um, yes. Is it your number one? Yeah. Okay. Um, you there is you do have a motivation to be like, what sort of cards do I think Trey is going for? What sort of place do I think he's going to be going next? Like you you want to think about their motivations on a little bit of a deeper level, and I don't know if it. I don't know if at this point I'm getting that from this game. And actually, my friends last night, they actually felt like it was fairly interactive for all the reasons that we've said. And they said, you know, I bet this is the sort of game that once you really get a lot of experience, you can start to get to that level. And that may be true. And um, I think that's, you know, that's super cool. I- I'm I'm happy. I love the game even without that layer. But um, I can, for some people, they probably want that layer. And, um, you know... Uh, that's just something that I think people should be aware of if if they're thinking about going into this game. Okay, any final thoughts? Um, final thoughts. Um, I, I just want to say my uh, my one other quibble, mm-hmm. which is that um, with the with the road, the when you get to the road and you get to the bridge, yep. one of the one of the um, one of the like the benefits of getting to the bridge is that you. It, you get to search through this uh, stack of tiles that like will give you end game points. Looking at the tile benefits, yes. right? And so you've made your way all the way up that road, and then you find out like the tiles that are available to you have nothing to do <laughs> they with don't your align strategy with your game at all. Right? It's kind of a bummer moment. Um, I guess the one could say, well, that should tell you to speed up when you go up that when you go up that road. Hurry up, so that way you know what those tiles are, and then you can work to to maximize that. But that could be a little bit of a downer. That tends <laughs> to that be happens. like that tends to be like a late game thing as you complete the bridge and get these tiles. So it's hard like right, it feels like this should be a let me build my strategy around this huge scoring card and instead it's more like did I get one of the things that aligns with what I've already done? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Not like that that like it's like maybe if those were like public information that might be cool. I don't know why it's private or hidden. So that's like that's like one thing. Um, I want to say that I have played this game at all player accounts now, including solo. I actually never play solo games. I played this game solo twice. Wow! And it, uh, there's there's a solo variant that's in there's the solo game that's in the rulebook, but there's one that's um, a better one that's actually on the the TTS mod, and it's really fun. That may also speak to the fact that it tra- the fact that it translates to solo pretty seamlessly may speak to the interactivity a little bit. Right, but, um, right. Uh, but I played it all player upon counts. other human players. That kind of tells you something. <laughs> it tells you a little bit. The kind of game you're playing. Yeah. But um, I played it two players with you. I think uh, maybe twice or so. Mm-hmm. I really, I thought it worked really well at two players. I think it's. I actually really like it at three or four because I think that the action wheel becomes a little crazier. And um, uh, like with two players, you can kind of do what you want to do. Because the action wheel is not going to change that much between turns, but with four players, the action wheel can change a lot, yeah, which chaos. can be frustrating. <laughs> yeah. But it also is like really fun for me to be like, "No, okay, well I've got this. Oh, okay." Like opportunities are constantly changing. Um, I have to say though, I just love it. I absolutely love this game. Uh, if if you can't tell if you're a little bit more like Trey or me, then go on to TTS and give it a try. I I I, I absolutely adore it. Yeah, I absolutely would tell people to play this game, try it. It could very well click click for you. So it's a it's a recommend for me in that in like there are plenty of games I would say don't bother. This is not a don't bother. This is definitely like this may be the game for you. It might not. You won't know until you play. And it's definitely if you're a game brainer, you know, like this is a game you should play and and know about so that you can you know, Yeah. You can and I, yeah. 
And I think that if you'd like Underwater Cities and if you'd like uh, Pulsar 2849, I think you actually, there's a good chance you'll like this one because Underwater Cities has that concept of pairing same designer and action. Here, yeah. Yeah. Same designer, yeah. Underwater Cities has the idea of like pairing an action in this in that case with a card, but it's like pairing two actions together. Like like can like how what happens when you pair these two things together, which is what you have on the wheel. And Pulsar 2849, I feel like a little bit more than Underwater Cities is really all about big combos. So um, you know, I feel like I see the DNA in his previous games in this one. Um, and I love both of those games. So this one is just right up, right up my alley. All right, let's transition to our co-host segment. So Ben, t- tell me how this the our topic came about for you. So getting into your feelings while gaming. You know, it's something I've noticed I've been doing a lot more. Um, and uh, I'm like, I don't like that. I don't like I don't like getting into my feelings when I game. Um, and I just it's just something that I've been thinking about. Like, why am I doing this? You know, there's been a lot of talk about mental health during the pandemic, uh, self-care and this or that. And um, it just made me think in general about how one behaves at a table. When you're not having fun, how do you handle it, right? Right. Um, What obligations do you have to honoring your emotions? Uh, And also, what obligations do you have to being a good person? game player and a good member of a social experience, you know? Right. And um, so I just started thinking about that. And uh, I thought it might be, especially because when we played Praga, there was definitely like, there was one time when you definitely had a not very fun experience, you know? And um, I was actually a little concerned that when we came in to talk about it, I was like, is this going to be the end of our friendship? Am I going to be like, I love this game. And you're going to be like, I hated this game. It made me miserable. I was like, what's going to happen? You're a bad person for liking this game. <laughs> I know. I was like, I thought we we're going to have a big fight. I thought we we're going to have a big podcast. Like this is going to be the one. But, um, but, well, no, didn't, but, didn't but you tell though, me that you were, you were like worried about like, I how was people worried. were perceiving you like as a fellow player. Yeah. Right? So I, well, one thing that happened was, um, I, was playing Twilight um, Imperium mm-hmm. over in December. And I was playing with someone that I didn't know. And I noticed that um, sometimes when I game, I kind of slip into a persona of some sort. And the like my persona is I, I sort of make certain kind of jokes. I make kind of certain comments that I sort of was thinking back and I was like, Am I just being a dick? Like, like this person, like my friends know me, but this person doesn't know me. Is he like, sure. who is this dick? Right. right. And I, I'm like, I'm like, I don't want people to think that of me. And I, it got me to think about like, who am I? Like, like what is going on with these? This, why do I adopt this persona? And I tell myself, Ben, don't act like that. And it happens a lot in social, in social deduction games. And this is what always gets me in trouble. Like Ben, don't behave like this. Just like, be chill and be fun. And despite my best efforts, I slip into this like gaming persona every single time. And, um, what and is this like, persona? What is it like? Is it, are you saying it's snark- like more aggressive or what is this game? A little snarky, little snarky comments here and there. <laughs> you know, if you be like, like, you know, if you do something to me like, Oh, that's fine. That's fine. I'm going to come and get, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I just have like this, like, I, I it's hard to describe, but like, like vengeance, <laughs> So this is exactly like table image. Like you must feel like this is a persona that you 
like maybe don't have as much control over as you would like or yeah well i mean well so this is this is a little different than getting into your feelings but they're very linked right this is like this is it's not like what is my what is my table image it's like my behavior changes and i actually talked about it with my therapist i was like why do i do this what what is going on and on some level, there is a level of vetting that happens, like because this is my humor, right? Like this, I'm, it, I'm acting snarky, whatever. But it's it's my humor, and if you're laughing along with me, if you're getting the joke, that means that you also accept me, right? Right, and that I am like that you're a friend. So, um, so if someone is not laughing along with me, then I actually will probably feel on some deep level. A, some danger, right? Sure. This is someone who doesn't accept me. And and by the way, the fun thing is that w- when you're gay, like 95% of everything can stem back to being a, a young child who's closeted, right? So like everything is about like, oh, you know, if someone doesn't accept it, you, you're in danger. You're in danger of your biggest secret ever coming out. Like everything comes back to that. It seems wow. like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for everyone who's like that. I'm just sort of being jokey, but it's true no, <laughs> for but that's me. What, but that's what you're experiencing. That's what my experience. So, like, it's we. It's surprising to me that this persona actually has, um, it has roots in in deep childhood stuff, right? And it is about like, am I safe at the table? And then there's also for me, there's an element of, um, I also feel an obligation to be kind of entertaining a little mm, bit, right? You know, like it's so I am kind of putting on a persona, but I'm also sort of. Be, I'm sort of entertaining. Sometimes that entertainment is to be a little bit of a villain. Sometimes it's just to get the conversation going. And again, that obligation to be an entertainer at the table, you know, again, stems from. Well, sometimes you feel like responsible for the game. Like if you put it together, if you brought people together, like even online, you're, you can be like yes. a host. Yes. And you feel and so, a certain responsibility to other people's happiness and enjoyment. Right, because the thing is this. So here's another way that's really fascinating for me about how this ties into my childhood and and growing up as the closeted gay little boy is that one like one of my personality qualities is that I'm quote unquote best little boy in the world, <laughs> which is that <laughs> I didn't know this one. <laughs> yes, best little boy in the world, which is that you want you. When someone asks you to do something, you do it. You do it exactly as it should be. Like your A's on your homework. You don't get in trouble. You keep a, everything is just you keep everything going smoothly because if you don't do that, then people when you by doing that you become a little invisible. No one's ever looking at you critically. Huh. No one's considering you because the moment that they do they may know you're gay, right? Like on that, that's like on the psychological level, that's where it works. Um, and by, it probably extends to beyond homosexuality and other people probably, it's sure. not just gay people who experience this. But um, so I think that the entertaining, the, 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 the aspect of I'm here trying to make this an entertaining experience is about, I'm here trying to make this a smooth and fun experience because if it's not fun, then it's not, it's not moving along and that might that be dangerous, a, right? a dangerous situation for me. Yeah. Right. So when you're having a bad time, like, do you have a res- like, do you have a responsibility to actually like let other people know? Well, or so that this is this is where I grapple because I, if I'm having a bad time, I hate 
letting people see it because I don't want my bad time to influence their good time. To become other people's bad time, right? Yeah. I don't want to yuck on their yum. And there's probably a part of that, which is that if I make them have a bad time, I am not creating a smooth and pleasant social situation, which is, again, what I just described is necessary for me to feel like I'm not in danger. But um, I've also been a host before, and um, I, I am so prone to host anxiety. Do you get prone to host anxiety ever? When you're when you're putting together a game, I feel like you don't. I feel like you're actually very self assured about that kind of stuff. Well, it's nice of you to say that. I think it's more that like I don't end up being the host too often. Like oh. we have so many kind of uh, they're not exactly alpha gamers, but we have plenty of people that put together stuff, and and so I don't have to very often. So I may skate by on that and not feel that responsibility the way that Tom or Matt or Jennifer. Mm-hmm. might some other time so i don't I don't want to speak speak for them on that it's more like if i have a game that i feel like oh i really love this game that's like, what i'm mean your anxiety, anxiety about uh you know praga might also be like i love this game and you're you're vulnerable in like yes. your like of that and when people don't like it um like it is it can be a reflection upon you and a lot of in a lot of different ways that it comes back on you that's not pleasant yeah, and actually, one thing that I've been really happy about is that um, I actually have not. I have surprisingly found that your your the your feelings about the game have actually not really impacted me that much in a way that I'm not being that in a shady way. Like, well, it doesn't affect me, but it's like I've actually been happy. I think because I have been working on myself, I'm happy that I've been able to be like, this has been my experience. This is how I feel about it, and. And you not liking it has not detracted from me. Because a lot of times, if someone doesn't like a game, I'm or, or even a movie or a TV show, sure. sometimes it I see that content through their eyes. And like I and I I can imagine why they don't like it. And then it kind of ruins it a little bit for me. And I like there's I've talked many times about this game Iki that I love. Mm-hmm. I've talked about it on the podcast. And I remember um one time bringing it to some friends, and I've always I've like loved it. This was a game was a 10 for me. And then one friend like hated it and said this, he didn't like this. He didn't like that. He didn't like that. Or, and like the whole game was like, Ugh. and it kind of like took some of the glow off of Iki for me and I haven't been able to get it back. And, um, and that kind of like, it, that makes me sad. And so I don't want to ever be that person to someone else's Iki, you know? Sure. No, I, I get that. I mean, I think it's, it's good that we're having this conversation because I feel like this is an area that I honestly fail at all the time. Mm-hmm. Like people, like I, I'm, I'm really eager to have this conversation. I also feel like I have almost nothing to offer because I do this poorly. I like, I know that there are times where I get in an emotional state. I let people know, and it does affect their pleasure of the, mm-hmm. their experience of the game. Like, like I don't want to be that problem, but sometimes I am that problem. And I think maybe to kind of turn it back to not the ways that we can be prescriptive, but like there are legitimate times where you're, you're put in an emotional state and you're absolutely right to communicate with people that you're feeling bad about something and you need to call attention to it. Like, I think you mentioned, like sometimes you feel like you're not being heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like that, like you do need to let people know about not, not to put that on you, but mm-hmm. like there's times where like we do have to communicate if people aren't having 
a good time so we can correct that, if that makes sense. But I almost think that like, yeah, I mean, like, so for me, I... I don't like showing people that I really don't like a game because I feel like when I when I don't like a game, I become a real jerk about it. Like I feel like I just become passive aggressive and snotty and everything. I'm like I I, I don't want that. I don't want to let that out. I don't want to I don't want to bring that into the space. But at the same time, I think actually one of the benefits, Trey, of you saying like I, if I don't like something, sometimes I get in my feelings and I can't control. It just comes out. Is that in a sense that that because that is such a quality of you. That if you do, if you are in your feelings about something, we all know, okay, this is Trey and his feelings, but it has no bearing on my feelings. This is what he's going through. It's almost like because it's actually part of like your, your, like your gaming experience, it actually makes it maybe less somehow actually, it it actually is like, just like, it's easy to say like, well, that's just Trey. That's like Trey doing (laughs) Trey's thing, which is not to be dismissive of you, but it's easy to be like, oh, that's just, well, that's just Trey. He's in his feelings right now. But I know I'm not in my feelings. So in a way, it actually does you a service because it's actually <laughs> it sounds like brand. such this sounds like such a net, like a backhanded compliment, like like because because you do it so much, it doesn't affect <laughs> us anymore. Because you're such but a hyper I actually think but I actually think that there is some value in that, right? It's like this is what we know, this is what Trey's emotion like what he needs out of a game, what he likes out of an experience, and he's feeling a certain emotion. Because then on the flip side, when you actually really like a game, it's actually really, it's like, it's great. Cause it's like Trey love like, there's, like the there's joy highs that you, and lows. yeah, the joy that, that you exude as a result is also really wonderful. It's also the case that, um, like during the last year with COVID, like I have found the effects of isolation, doing so much stuff online, not seeing my friends, not seeing family or seeing family or whatever is that like all of the tension and stuff that's wrapped up in the pandemic manifests in totally uncontrollable ways, right? Like it's weird when stuff comes out and, and I like have a, a moment and like, I can't even point to like why I'm in a funk in this moment, yeah. you know, and like you try to draw a line between this and this. And sometimes like it just doesn't exist. It's just an accumulation of stuff and it's just frustration and it mm-hmm. kind of comes out. And it's also like, it, it, it's what's always so surprising is that like you, when it's happening, you know it and you're saying, and you're, and you're saying just stop, stop being this way. Just like be a normal person, just a game. But you can't, <laughs> you can't. And I find that I will become impatient. Um, I'm much more impatient now. Like I'm, in, if I'm playing, if I'm playing and someone is not picking up a rule quickly, I'm more impatient than I was before. Or if they can't, I'm really impatient when people can't figure out an interface. I'm like, I'm like, it's been like a year. You should know this by now. But that's not, <laughs> but that's not fair. I mean, people take in input in different ways, you know. But I'm impatient. Uh, I think that's, but that might even affect like who you play games with though. Like if someone hasn't mastered some base level of technology after a year of pandemic, like they're just not going to like, unfortunately, sometimes that means you don't end up playing with them. It's true because I'm becoming too impatient and it's, it's more of like a, a game should be fun. Like this is not some chore. This is not a responsibility you have to play games with certain people. We do this because we enjoy other people's company and we want to have a nice time. Well, I, I, you know, I find that another thing that will often set me in my feelings is not being honest about what 
uh, what sort of experience I want from the game, a uh, gaming night or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I, again, I'm always trying to be the easygoing fun person that, you know, you add, you know, just add me in and I'll, you know, we're going to have fun. But what happens is if I, let's say I'm like really excited to play a certain sort of game and then everyone says, Oh, we were actually thinking about playing this game. I'm like, okay, cool. No problem. But kind of deep down, I really wanted to play my game. And then I wanted to play a game I actually am not interested in playing. And I kind of, sometimes I just go in with a bad attitude because of that. And that's really because I wasn't honest about what I wanted to play and what I was down, wasn't honest about what I was down with. And then I go in and then I'm like negative on the inside. Even though I try to give the game a fair shot, I kind of don't. And then what inevitably happens is I wind up in my feelings and like, that's not fair to people around me. It's not fair to the game. It's not fair to even the game designer. Cause I'm like really not taking a game in with an open mind, but it happens all the time for me. Yeah. That's legit. I think that's also why a lot of times, like the way that we socially set up games sometimes now be like, I really want to play this thing. Mm-hmm. Who's in. So like yeah. everybody kind of buys into the thing because like, I do think there's that potential like, and that happens in, you know, when we get together for game nights all the time too, like where it's like, I'm going over to Tom's, you know, mm-hmm. can't wait to see what we're going to play. And you walk in the door and sometimes he's already set up a game mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm like, and I can be a bit of a snit about that. Where it's like, I really would have liked to have been in this conversation, Tom, you know, yeah, like you like- just made that decision for everybody. <laughs> and again, we're back, we're bagging on Tom, um, on something, but I'm saying like that can happen. Like this negotiation of what you play, that's a real thing. And it just, it happens at different times. And he doesn't do that that often. But part of that is like, he really wants to play something. And he's excited to play something. He's honest too. And he's honest about what he wants to play. He does it exactly like he is. And and I think that like one way to help for me not be as much of my feelings is to say, if I'm going to say I'm open to play anything, like be open to play anything and be, be cool with that. And, and, and there are times I, I, by the way, whenever I say I'm open to play anything, I'm not lying and I have a secret <laughs> agenda. <laughs> I really am open. And those times it's always great. But like, um, I think, cause what will happen is a lot of times I'll, I'll be like, oh, hey, who wants the game tonight? And people will be like, I do, I do, I do. And then I, and then I, then I start to curate. I think, like, ooh, this would be a good game for the group. And this would be a good game. And then I'm like, ooh, I should refresh the rules. And so I start to really invest myself sure. in these games. I'm like, oh, this will be a really fun one. And then it's finally game time. And either people come over or we assemble online. And maybe there's one more person than the player count allows for us. We can't do it. Or maybe one person says, I'm really tired. I just want to do a short game. Oh, I, I want to do a game that I already know, which happens all the time. And all of a sudden, I'm like, no, because in my mind, I'm like, I just, I was, I read all these rules. I got myself so excited. And the truth is, I should have just said all along, this is a game I want to play tonight, mm-hmm. you know? Or I should have said, hey, I've got three games I'm interested in. I'm going to look at the rules. I have an idea. And so I feel like a lot of times I set myself up for being emotionally disappointed because I don't think I communicated really my, my needs to the group, you know? I think this is something that like Paul kind of talks about a lot of times though, is like, you're talking about like all this investment, like both you're putting in as a host and then as a player. And I just don't think it's possible a lot of times for us to be just completely casual. I'll play anything. Everything's fine. I'm the Zen master. It's all going to, you know, wash over me. It's all beer and pretzels here. It's like, you know, you know, part of that 
like we do get investment and that's also like why the highs can be so high and the lows sometimes can be lows. Like you can, you can kind of lose your shit um, is a consequence of like of investment. And that's part of, that's part of why we do play games is that you do get emotionally invested. These are people whose opinions you care about. You don't want to look dumb you also mm-hmm. want to look like you're fun and entertaining and all this stuff. Yeah. And it and sadly, like all that investment does mean that sometimes it can go sideways and you're not at your best. And people right. have, and you're and like they're your friends and they like you said, you might be like, Oh, that's just Trey. And like that's good that they're your friends and they kind of know who that's you actually are. a really good place to be in, to be honest. That that you can say, guys, I'm sorry, I'm just in my feelings. Let me just be in my feelings right now. And like they say, Cool. Like that's actually a great space to be in because there's no sense of judgment, right? It's just like, guys, let me just be in my feelings, you know? <laughs> there might be a little judgment. <laughs> no, but I don't think so. Cause I think it's like, it's not like what's, it's not, no one's saying what's wrong with Trey. Everyone's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Trey's like, he's like, you know, he's in his feelings right now. Fine. You know, it's like, that's actually like kind of a really, I aspire to be in that place. Maybe I'll get there. I aspire to be more mature in this sometimes i think sometimes i succeed sometimes i don't i wish i succeeded more i'm glad that uh you know like you know in my experiences with you that i haven't you know maybe there's sometimes where i've impacted your fun of 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 games i hope it hasn't been too much i think it's bound to happen sometimes i mean i was specifically thinking of like there was a time where you me and tom were playing terraforming mars and i was yeah. getting very frustrated because we were playing async and we were having trouble like getting everybody kind of to play at any kind of rhythm mm-hmm. and people were starting to play little one turn like in, in terraforming mars you can take two actions on your turn yeah but you know but you sometimes you can just play one and sometimes that one is i'm just giving away a card for a credit and like I was getting frustrated when people were doing that because I was like, "Can we just play this game? Like, th- if this were in person, I think this would be fine." And I was starting to say, "Guys, can we just everybody take two turns?" And like you correctly said, Trey, I'm playing my game. I'm gonna play my game. You know, yeah. And I got okay, back off. And I, and I got I actually was really in my emotions in that game because it was kind of funny. It's it's always so funny when you look back. You're like, why was I ever in my emotions? But I was in my emotions. Because maybe it wasn't that game, but the next game, you like just ransacked me. You like every attack card that came I took, out. I killed every attacked, plant, you, every plant you, you had. attacked me so hard, and like it killed my engine. Um, and I got in my emotions because I was like, you know, here's this guy saying, like, you should take a suboptimal turn because <laughs> you know, like, this is taking too long. You should like. You just always take your two actions while he's simultaneously just like kicking me over and over and over again. And that felt, I felt very like that, like triggered something in me. I was like, like, that's not right. Like, like he he wants, he he wants to take me down, but then also tell me I shouldn't do anything to like improve my position. Like that's how I interpret it, even though I know that's not what you were saying, but I got so in my emotions, like you don't even know how I didn't, I never really, I don't think I told you, but I was, I got a sense. I I was so in my emotions (laughs) But then I was also like, this is clearly about something deeper. This is not about Trey. Because the truth is, I could have pivoted my strategy at any moment. And I would have been impervious to what Trey was doing. I was just playing a bad game. And uh, Trey just did enough that 
I could just like let my right brain just take over my body and just focus all my blame for my game onto Trey and the sense of like feeling unjustly attacked while also being told to do something else. But that was, I was like the entire time I was like, why this is terraforming Mars. Why am I like literally sitting here on my couch holding my phone, getting so mad right now? (laughs) Why this is ridiculous. You know? And I was like, Ben, calm down, calm down. This is cause, cause guess what? I think the next game, I think I went and attacked you like crazy. And I was like, it just, that sometimes is just the game. It's just the game. The directed aggression of Terraforming Mars is like my least favorite part of that game. And I'm still not convinced that it's necessary. I like, I feel like there's enough interaction anyway, but like me, my emotional state with Terraforming Mars is like, I, I don't like the directed aggression in the game, but it's there. So if I'm going to mm-hmm. play this game, I'm going to do You're allowed to, it. of course, you know, you absolutely. I'm, I'm absolutely, I've never, I take Ben out with this asteroid. Yep. I've never been triggered by in 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 what five years since that game came out five or six years I've never been triggered by the directed aggression. It's always like Ugh, that's annoying. It's like what's well, like a moment like Ugh, fine, but that game is like where maybe because of whatever was, whatever stress I was feeling in my life, whatever was going on at that moment, it like you unleashed a monster in me at that <laughs> and. I was like, I was in my, I could not get out of it. I could not get out of my feelings until I so like went to bed. And then like, you know, the next day I was like, I think that game also might've been more emotional because that game was, I feel like that game was more competitive. Like, I think we were explicitly like we'd played some games of terraforming Mars. We'd kind of messed around with the app. We'd played some games and now we had brought in Tom and we were like, okay, now we're like, now we're playing for real. Now, like, then we're going to play a real competitive game of terraforming Mars here. And so it felt like there was a little bit more at stake. Yeah. But I was, I remember I was definitely sending several passive aggressive text messages and and just like, you communicated your emotions. Uh, I'm not sure. You, you definitely uh, established some boundaries. Um, And I was like, I am not going to agree to this like mandatory nope. always do two action i was like i'm not doing nope. that absolutely not you have destroyed my plants i am going to do what i have to do to rebuild myself sir <laughs> <laughs> message message received okay so any, any final thing you want to say about be, being in your feelings here um i mean i i don't know i mean i don't i just feel like i mean i don't I I aspire not to be as much in my feelings. I think it's okay to be in your your feelings are your feelings. Sure. I think there's a line between being in your feelings and yucking on someone's yum. Right. And if I am really just not enjoying a game, I'm aspiring to let that out at the end of the game. It's like, you know, when you watch a movie and someone's going, oh, this movie sucks. Uh, and you're like, you know what? You may not like it. Let me in, let me be in this bliss for a moment. Right. And then at the end, we can, can say why you didn't later. Like it. We can debrief. Like I love, I love a post game debrief. I love that. Like if you don't like something, but like if I'm having a really fun time, like don't rain on my parade. And I'm, I aspire to not rain on someone's parade. And I feel like when I'm in my feelings, sometimes I can't control myself. And it's easier said than done to control yourself. Yeah, like the the message from this should not be don't have emotions, or even just like always contain your emotions. I mean, like it it's going to happen, and this is stuff that we all struggle with, and a lot of times it's legit. Yeah. 
It is. I think. But again, um, I, don't I don't know. Feel, I don't, I don't know how like I should be giving advice up to anyone. I don't know if it is an advice thing. It's, it's more yeah. just like, like, uh, this is something we go through. And, you know, if you're feeling this way, you're definitely not the only ones because it's, you know, there is an emotional component. It's a real big emotional component. And a lot of times it feels like, why am I being emotional over a stupid board game? You know, but like, it's not a stupid board game. It's an, it's an experience that you're having. And, um, the lesson to be learned is uh, if someone, if Trey invites you to play Terraforming Mars, <laughs> just be prepared to not have plants. Oh, let's do a game sommelier. Uh, yes. Sometimes a player just Sorry, I clicked a little early there. Which game should okay. Stay? You really Which shouldn't talk over go? the music while it's Which playing. Play no, it's very rude to the person who, who, who did that music in the first place. Who was so, so strongly you want to hear every word French accent of this accent. Show me the way to the master, the game Okay, we have a um, message from, I believe this is pronounced Tice, or that's my guess. Um, message says, hey, Game Brainers, as a Dutch guy, I apparently love maps of Europe and wooden pieces. Some of my favorite games are Hansa Teutonica, El Grande, and Concordia. Are there some hidden gems in the genre? Sad person on the front of the box map inside of it of similar weight and length thanks for what you bring every monday makes my commute way more fun uh and i'm sure we'll have some dutch people tell me how poorly i got the the end there so ben yes sad person on the front Sad on the front, map, map inside. <laughs> That's my new favorite description of a genre. Sad person on front, map on on the inside. Well, there is Maria, which uh, I don't know if that qualifies because it's a little bit more of a war game, but it's excellent. So if you can track that down, I highly recommend it. I think a little bit more in the genre, Navigador, which is the same design, Matt Gertz, who did Concordia, mm-hmm. which is super fun Rondell game, very old school. There is a one fair warning, you know, it's kind of, you know, colonialism is very present in it. And if that's something that you, uh, that, that, that's going to be your personal, you know, choice of how you feel about that. But I feel like these days it is important to point that out. Um, but, uh, if you can, you know, like if like the, but the game, the mechanics of the game are super fun. Um, I don't know if it's problematic for me to even say that, you know, but, um, also, uh, Lancaster, I think it's none of these are really hidden gems, but I think they're a little bit more forgotten these days uh-huh. with all the new games. But I think Lancaster is a really, really, really fun game where it's worker placement. It's England. It's a map. Um, and uh, you could talk about a game that could probably get you into your feelings. You take a spot and then someone could just bump you right out of that spot. It's kind of cool. And then there's this really cool uh, a- after everyone takes all their spots and does all their actions there's a round of voting and laws that are passed. Really fun, especially at a higher player count. Um, and then the uh, I also want to mention two more very briefly. Sure. Uh, this one does not have a sad person on the front, but feels very old school despite it being coming out about three years ago. Is Kalimala? Mm-hmm. It had it's a really really interesting design. Uh, uh, same designer as Merv. And Ragusa, uh, very old school kind of map and cubes. Go go look that one up. It's, I really enjoy it. And then lastly, The King is Dead is actually an older game that just came out. Uh, to great acclaim from uh, is it a re-release no or what do you mean older game? It's a re 
It's a re-release. Okay. Uh, and it, it's very old school. I don't know if there's a sad person on the cover, but there is, I believe, a dude on a horse. So um, <laughs> but all of those games kind of like like Kalamala and uh, The King is Dead, those have like full on cubes of different colors and a map, which is like, you know, I think probably right in your sweet spot. Okay, right, here are my two. First off, Imperial. And now this has the the... This is a double hit because you have sad guys on the front and they're looking at a map on the front oh. of the box. And wow. the inside is a map of Europe. So I think this is perfect. It's pretty much the same map as Diplomacy for Imperial, but that that is that falls into the same playtime as opposed to like Diplomacy can be, you know, 12 hours. Uh, Imperial will absolutely play in less than four. I w- wow, I would say. And my other pick is Quartermaster General. Have you played this one with this? Ben? No, I have. I've never played it ever. So I Quartermaster General it. is a map of the world because it's it's um, approximating World War II, and it's got a sad General MacArthur on Aww. the front. And this is this is a kind of a cool game where uh, it's it's multiple player, but you're also kind of like playing in teams. Mm. Where um, everybody's, you know, Italy's a playable faction, United States playable playable faction. So it's al- Axis versus Allies uh, that way. But super simple mechanics, very accessible for a, for kind of like a. You know, it has that big game feel that plays in a short amount of of time, uh, and it's not a war game. It really it's called Quartermaster General for a reason because it really is more about like establishing your network of yeah. a supply to kind of exercise control over over the map just to cheer up general macarthur he's sad got to cheer him up things worked out pretty Logistics. well for general macarthur in in the end okay we uh, if you have a question for the game sommelier uh send us an email at contact at gamebrain.com we got a few in the hamper here but we can always uh do more and we love to hit, hear from you uh ben any final thoughts on the episode uh no final thoughts but uh trey excellent job well thanks this, for being your guest. first um yeah first time hosting this i was the main very host. nervous and i feel like you you made this a real pleasure you made this real easy you, you were my ringer oh well well thank you but uh, you did a great job and it was really fun and um i really enjoyed this episode and i i just i hope that um i hope people uh who are intimidated by hnxx feel inspired to go check out hnxx.games i hope people who are feeling insecure about being in their feelings <laughs> have a little bit more you know things to think about now about that and i hope that people really try praga cup at regni because i absolutely love it so what else can what else can be said you know all right thanks well this was episode 101 we've, we've come a long way baby and uh thanks to everybody out there who's who listens to us, you're part of the reason that we're still doing this and happy that uh, we kind of have this extended uh, community of, of game brainers here. Absolutely. You have been listening to game brain produced and edited maybe sometimes by Matthew Robinson, Tom Donnelly, and Trey also special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music more on Daedalus at gamebrainpod.com. You can reach us by email at contact at gamebrainpod.com or on Twitter at gamebrain underscore pod. Thanks for listening and go play some games with friends or go make some friends with games. <laughs> <laughs>